You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. And we're here on a Tuesday. We managed to uh, to battle through some circumstances out of our control yesterday. The Tories got Gareth trapped in Manchester. StreamYard was down. We didn't even know that. We're going to pretend we did because um, we couldn't have broadcast live last night, it turned out, because that entire platform was down, which is what we used to, uh, to stream everything. Facebook was down. We couldn't message each other. It was a whole shit show. The world shut down last night. I felt like JP. It did. I have to say, when I heard Facebook was down, like my heart filled with joy. I was like, oh, <laughs> this could be good. Like, I mean, all I really needed to know was what people's birthdays were, really, as much as anything else. Like, beyond that, if it if it went away, I'd be very, very happy. But no, it's still there. Um, mm. Share price is going down, and they're still ruining democracies all over the world. <laughs> I always like these days days when you get like Facebook and WhatsApp and all that like tank and just stop working. It just like makes me just think, ah, yes, these days when uh, when Grapple's running a bit slow, I'm like, yeah, if it can go wrong for fucking Facebook and it can go wrong for WhatsApp, then it's just a, that, that little bit of, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. It's okay. it's okay for Grapple to be a bit shit sometimes. <laughs> that's it it was, it was mad though because it was like literally like every, twitter crashed as well because that many people were like i'll log on twitter then i've got nothing else to do because it was like let's not speak to the people who are in my house or like text people or whatever yeah. like, it was like, but it was literally whatsapp facebook instagram that's like a good portion of like the internet gone um, so yeah twitter was uh was busy last night everyone was saying if twitter went down we'd all have to go we were just chatting on the pre-show about like msn messenger and aim days maybe we'd all have to log back onto them or go go back to the message boards because i'll um regroup on the uk fan forum i don't know it would have been screwed get the old myspace up mm. remember Who that was <laughs> <laughs> oh, tom he was tom. in everyone's top eight did you have a top eight I, I, bypass, I, I bypass. I bypass my space. It's my space. Yeah, it's great. You had a little song on your, on your profile and stuff. You could get yourself a like, little custom background. I had like Friends Reunited, Gap, Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it feels very similar to that. It really does. Yeah, Friends Reunited. My God, I just. God, I've completely forgotten about the existence. I think Friends, there was one as well. Maybe I was on that too. I don't remember that. Yeah, but back in the days when like 
dating websites for for old people and uh, all of the youth who are on like these uh, virgin and social media platforms. Uh, but yeah, it, it really it kind of fucked us last night because we couldn't get in touch with each other. Like I was messaging my mates on drum while they weren't replying. Like it's not like the whole world shut down. Were you stuck in Manchester, Gareth? What happened to you last night? Oh, it was just dead slow. Like getting, I wasn't. I was like late out of work anyway. But like two of the roads, like main roads, just around the corner from mine, was just all closed off from the. Um, Tories been in town for their their conference, so it was a good excuse to just be like sat there in your car, just shouting fucking, you know, <laughs> slagging off Tories basically. Just, uh, <laughs> just in your car. Oh, it's, oh, it was a fun-filled uh, half an hour there, just sat stationary for a while there doing that. So why well, why not? Why not take the opportunity, especially when they're, they're in the vicinity and you might get some people who hear from through your window or something like that, just to uh, just to put one of the down on that side of things but yeah and I, I don't know why the fuck they come to manchester i don't understand yeah i can't understand what a weird place for a Tory I've, conference. Got, I've got no idea why it takes place there but well, it's Liverpool just, to, just to piss me off well they walked into the territory of the king of the north didn't they andy burnham country there as we like true to it's like all the nash turning up on night uh, turning up on night road that <laughs> but oh, I did see someone somebody that got a funny tweet where it was something like if you're on like Grinder or Tinder or whatever, beware the person you match with tonight might be a Tory. That's how many Tories were in Manchester. Yeah, yeah. Tory party conference, mate. And uh yeah, on top of it all, I just throw it in. The country is still effectively a shit shit show. Getting petrol still difficult, mm. all the rest of it. Yeah. Is what it is. No HGB yeah. climbers. Christmas cans. No taxis. Matthew was still at mine for an hour yeah. last night. It's probably because people can't get petrol. It's a, it's a whole thing. It's a whole shit show. But how have you been, JP? You've been up to much. You were telling us in the pre-show about Squid Games. Apparently, you've been watching that. I want to know what it is properly. You didn't really give us the full explanation yeah. on the uh, the pre-show. What, what? Well, it is. Um, and this is one of the things I, I really started doing last night when we weren't recording is I started watching it with my youngest son it's the most popular show it's it's on target to be the most popular show in Netflix history which is big Bridgerton I think it's the number one um and it's basically where people who are in like all all manner of like kind of primarily really bad debts generally in, in trouble are I won't go into how they end up being able to play in these kind of kids games and they have to play six of them for a massive like kind of like I think the whole total pot is like 40 odd million and if they get stuff wrong they die um and it's quite kind of it moves from this kind of weird it looks like a like a kind of a children's playground but in that kind of like kind of very creepy way so there's like an overgrown toy that's got motion sensors for eyes that can see if people move when they're supposed to be staying still and stuff it's mental and as gareth's son said um you were saying earlier on this when he recognized after two episodes it's a bit grown up i was like takes a lot to kind of get me you know kind of into these things i'm a lot more cynical about this stuff fucking good um really is fucking great and i'm not saying that the tories being in involved in the squid game would be a good thing not certainly saying it would be bad either. <laughs> yeah, I've no, I, I, I was completely, completely lost on what he was. Still don't know. I, I mean, I watched uh, the Sopranos movie. I can talk about that with you if you want. Ah, 
still haven't seen that. It's, but just oh, so. think about Battle Royale. But yeah, sorry, tell us about the Many Saints of Newark because I'm hearing mm. quite a lot yet. I still haven't got around to seeing it for sure. It's not a good film, though. <laughs> I mean, I, I say this. Uh, I gave it three and a half stars on Letterbox. I had a good time. There's a lot of nice, fun, like service and like um, you know little cameos and little moments where like you're seeing like a, a character you know from the series and they're younger and there's even lines in there you might recognize from the, I'm trying to like what talk around I don't want to give too much away but as a filmer I don't know story's not really if I didn't love Sopranos it would I don't think I'd even give it three stars and um, three and a half feels generous to be honest although I've seen people go higher you absolutely love the thing but yeah it wasn't for me I'm surprised you haven't got to it yet JP you're uh you're the one who um yeah, who um, bought Found the uh, cinema ticket for me? Though, I was when just saying now at this point, uh, I think yeah. everyone knows my role in the proceedings. <laughs> um, it was, it was one of these. It's making people Saturday nights, you know, it's that little bit more fun for, for while I pay nothing. Um, but yeah, the reason is is partly because I saw a series of reviews that gave me the impression that this wasn't that great. I saw mm. Joe's reaction to it when he saw it in the cinema, and I could see someone struggling with wanting to like this more than they actually did. I wanted to and like it so much. that's what I'm hearing from you. I was just thinking, mm. I was like, you're, you're primed to love this and to go that mm. bit extra for it, but you can't bring yourself to do it. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a hard thing to do sometimes. When that happens. It makes me want to restart the series again. Like I, I, mm. I came out of it full of Sopranos love and like, oh, I want to watch the series again. I'm glad it exists. But <laughs> as a film, I don't know. It's one of them. I hate that when it's like you want to like it so much that you're kind of like half kidding yourself that it's fucking mm-hmm. better than it actually is. But I, must, I suppose you just you just the little references and all that you get something out of it, don't you? Kind of thing. I suppose. I suppose. But I, I watched something different. I watched. Have you ever used watched Untold Crime and Penalties on Netflix at all? Like no, you mentioned it was a documentary that me and Sarah just started watching last night, and it's supposed to be like based around the guy who The Sopranos was based off some like Connecticut mobster, Jimmy Galante, who's like, he had a waste management company and his son's called AJ and stuff. So there, there is the little like parallels, uh, little parallels there, but it's fucking wild. Like he just is, he ends up like his son loves ice hockey. So he just ends up buying this like, like minor leagues ice hockey team. And then they just like, just go fucking mental with it and just like set up this team. Just it's like fucking slap shot or something like that. They just set up set up this team full of like fighters and things that are just like getting the crowd over. And his kid loves wrestling as well. Like and he's so he's 17 years old and his son's like the CEO of this ice hockey team. And is there and he's just bringing all this like wrestling style like theater and drama to it. And it showed like clips from like his birthday party when he's is a kid. And he's like, the Rock shows up at his house, and the fucking Triple H and China, they're all there at his birthday party when he's uh, when he's. Oh, um, wow. when, I don't when expect like, to be a wrestling connection. Yeah, yeah, when he's like ten year old, and like you can just see like Triple H going around and taking all these photos, and the Rock looks fucking massive and stuff, and you just like, aye, aye, some fucking Connecticut mobsters got the fucking in there with WWE, like oh, like makes you wonder a few things. But even like when the ice hockey teams like set up later. It's, it's got like John Cena coming out on the ice and things, and it's just some like little. It's like fucking you know Crosby Leisure Center or something like that. With, you know, a couple of hundred people there, but they've got Cena coming out on the ice as well. It's it's a fucking mental story. I definitely recommend it. It sounds sounds like it's better than the Sopranos movie. This is the uh, this is the pre-Sopranos thing you should be watching. But yeah, the fucking that, that just oh, blew yeah. my mind. This kid's party just with 
like China and a, a bloated looking rock and Triple H just uh, having a bit of cake and taking a few pics and things. <laughs> We have to put some pictures in the air, the show images, but like what that reminds me of, like we're going to talk about it later, the FNW documentary, where like Foley's just like, yeah, the accuser were just everywhere, but you just, you kind of just, you, know, you understand that's how it's funded. I don't really agree with it, but what are you going to do? Maybe, uh, yeah, mob ties to, uh, to maybe that's what kept uh, Vince running in the, uh, in well, the mid 90s. Maybe the second right. wouldn't be surprised. Do you Vince thought about sending him off to Randy Savage? <laughs> Maybe that's what happens with the end when he crashes into that tree. <laughs> well, one of one of the players broke his leg, and then like the the mobster boss like came in and he said like, "Oh, here's his address. What do you want us to do?" Like kind of thing. And, the, and they're like, the the player was like laughing, and then he realised, "Oh no, they're deathly serious." Like, like if I said the right word, this player who broke my leg might like might might be dead by tomorrow. Like, fuck. <laughs> Definitely Sounds like a bigger version of Flutter and Councillor Drew Gale to me, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> corruption at the highest levels. <laughs> That's the kind of corruption I love, though. That level of corruption. But by the way. By the way, have either of you seen this in our group chat that uh, that James has just put in? This will this will link to uh, something I'm going to mention in a minute. There is a there is a link here, but like he's put that he's watching some 2005 ROH. If, for the video listeners, this will be in the uh, in the show images uh, if I keep this in the audio vision. Is that Tony Khan? Front row of a Ring of Honor 2005 show. I think that's Tony Khan. I don't think it is. I think he's a bit too. Do you not think? No. That's all, lad. Chat, what do we think? I'm with James yeah. here. Send it out to him. He normally answers that sort of stuff. How old would he be in 2005? Oh, he'd be early 20s. He's like, what, 30? Is he your age, Benno? Is he 36? Yeah, I think he's about my age. So, yeah, the age would fit. I don't know. I'm buying it. I'm going to, yeah, like, we'll, we'll tag him in the episode description like we like we should have that time. We had the uh, big tone wanks dogs. Um, fuck. <laughs> See what he we thinks. do that? Oh, no. <laughs> I stopped short of that. You're welcome, Gareth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that really would have been fucking it then at, at, at that point. But yeah, no, I, I'm not convinced that it may, maybe it is. Like that's it. The, the wrestling tall. journey of Tony Khan. Oh, maybe he is too tall. Yeah, Chris Elliott saying no either. But to tie it in, and because I did actually already give this away, I just did a uh, recorded with uh, with John and Way, um, where we talked um, the Osprey documentary for uh, for a wind away over on their Patreon. Get that uh, patreon.com slash post wrestling. Um, we were talking. Uh, and I let something slip, lads. Um, this is usually the bit where we get into the plugs, but uh, yes, to, just to scoop John away for anyone who uh, hasn't listened to that yet, uh, we have got a big announcement coming for our, our Patreon uh, this week. We're doing uh, we we put the poll out, um, so we're going to be doing a, a biopic on a uh, as a as a deep cut on a big uh, big WWF. Uh, careers of of certain wrestlers we put the poll up and i'll tell you lads it looks like owen hart is going to win that poll we'll uh, we'll close the poll at the end of the episode but it looks like we're going to be doing an owen hart deep cut this week which should be a lot of fun but also coming up next week we're going to be doing a mixtape on the career of one brian danielson in roh and we have somehow after his appearance on the uh, the world transfer window Talked one Jamesy into joining us for it. So, you oh. know, Jamesy over on the uh, on the Grapple Patreon. It's a subject near and dear to my heart, is Brian Danielson and ROH, but it's a subject way e- even more near and dear to Jamesy's heart in, uh, in talking the uh, the greatness of Brian Danielson on the Indies and an ROH. So, yeah, you can look forward to that and him joining us next week, which is uh, why he's watching Ring of Honor shows and seeing Tony Khan potentially <laughs> in the front row. <laughs> but that should be fun, lads. 
Oh, I can't wait for that. It's going to be yeah. brilliant. It's just just going to be ace. Just to like this is for, like for me. That's the that's the best. James E with something to like get his teeth into that he's like really passionate about, and just you know breaking down into the details of it and stuff. And especially with some of this stuff, going to be things that I've not seen before as well. Just kind of just getting that uh, filling in some blanks, getting a bit of an education on some stuff, a little bit of like backstory around certain things, and that. Really looking forward to that show. It's going to be a belter. Yeah, I think for yeah. for me and Gareth, I completely I completely echo that because it's it's the part of Ring of Honor as well that I need schooling on, that I need to kind of know more about. So it feels like I've got the like Jesus. If me and Gareth can't learn about Ring of Honor from you and Jamesy, then we might as well just not fucking bother. I think at that point, <laughs> Gareth, we just give up the go. Mainly Jamesy. You as well, Brian. You as well, because when we did Hunk as well, that's how it kind of that. That's the thing I mm. loved about that was being able just to like, oh, just asking you all of these questions, and that's the the kind of thing is is it's trying to understand what the appeal of him at that moment in time, not just like the kind of distance. Like, what was your reaction to it at the time when you were first watching these men? Mm. So like, I'm well looking forward to that. Yeah, it'll be fun. Like me and James, we've kind of like set a little personal challenge to ourselves. Like of like James, he's going to be mainly curating the list. I've got a couple of uh, suggestions in there. Connor's mentioned there when we post the matches for it. We will uh, we'll post it on yes. the Patreon uh, this week once we. Uh, it's hard, you know. We're trying to we're trying to keep it to six to eight matches, and there's a lot to choose from. But really, the main challenge is matches that we would agree are better than the Kenny match from TV. Uh, although, I'll be, I'm, I'm trying already trying to shoe in like a couple of homicide matches. There's Kenta match. Um, who else? Uh, Morishima. There's going to be a Nigel match in there, no matter what we do. Um, I'll, I'll make sure. Whatever it is, it's going to be fun homeware for you, lads. But yeah, I, fe- I felt yeah. like, yeah, that's a, it'll be a good one for you to, uh, to to get to see, uh, you know, uh, Brian and ROH and in his pomp and uh, how he was always uh, intended to be. And yeah, there's no better man than, uh, than Jamesy to get on to do that. Um, I was just looking at the um, the Patreon page as well, and yeah, looking looking at the the the, uh, the deep cut that we're gonna do, it does look like Owen Hart's gonna win. Owen Hart's on twenty eight points, uh, Bret Hart seventeen votes behind him, Undertaker on eleven, David Boy Smith on nine, Kurt Hennig on nine as well. Um, yeah, not a unfortunate. I don't feel like British Bulldog always always struggles in these polls. Maybe everyone's just a bit younger than us. Maybe that's a problem. I think there's just that thing about him where it's like. When you get outside, like if you're not doing the tags with Dynamite and you're not doing the Brett match at SummerSlam, it's it's pretty slim pickings after a while. But it's the because mm. we're doing the WWF career, obviously. Mm. So for, for mm. Owen Hart, it's that kind of what I really look forward to is revisiting the feud with Brett. I think that's it. And then going into Slammy Award winning Owen Hart, the whole thing with Bulldog. The kind of mm. when they tease that so well and then set up the heart, the heart foundation as the stable, like ah, oh. because then we get into Brett as well by default, and yeah. I always think you just can't go wrong with that. Feels appropriate as well, considering you know AEW doing the stuff to kind yeah. of honor Owen and that. I'm happy just because I can edit in Owen's theme as the intro to the podcast. That's always a good time. Um, yes. But yeah, plenty of uh, material to uh, to jump into. Surprise the results there, Gar. I am like it's. I don't think uh, one of these polls ever gone with what I thought it was. I, I thought it would be Brett all day long. You know, I was. Uh, I've been. <laughs> I've been sat here thinking, "Yep, can't wait to do this." Uh, Brett, <laughs> Brett retrospective. But I almost uh, suggested 
not putting Brett in because I thought he was going to run away with it. That's how confident I was Brett was going to win. But I know there's still there's still a couple of hours for people to vote. So I'll, I'll leave it up till the uh, the end of this uh, yeah. uh, episode is uh, is aired. But yeah, it looks like it's going to be out. It's one of them though. Like hearing that, I'm just like, oh no, I'm fucking all over that. Like Owen Hart, that's going to yeah. be that, that that's going to be awesome. I even get through a bit of. Uh, Blue Blazer, Mr. Perfect in from WrestleMania 5 as well. There, uh, you can go all the way back oh, there, yeah. can't we? So, oh, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. What a great couple of weeks! Owen Hart homework for this week, Brian Danielson homework for next week. It's not a bad job doing this, uh, this Patreon stuff, is it? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I think money playing the week after or something like that. <laughs> You're in that fucking money plane. <laughs> well, you'll get you'll get your way eventually. But where can uh, just to let the people know, JP, where else can the uh, they find uh, all of this stuff and uh, and everything else we're doing? Potentially a money plane review as well. Exactly. Um, if you go to uh, uh, patreon.com forward slash grapple, you'll see me do my daily updates. Um, I'll apologise to all patrons as well who listen to my daily update about the draft. I was just reading names off a list. Like, it felt <laughs> like, at that point, I don't know what the draft really is or what it's there to achieve. Other is it TBL Parker But it doesn't matter. Well, what you need to wait and see is whether TBL Packer, because he could be brought up. I mean, he's been, like, he's one of those guys they've fast-tracked with, like, his, you know, when he was up in Winnipeg. I think he was playing football in Winnipeg, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah, we, if you hear his backstory, it's mad. Like, it, it's, you know, meth, meth addicted mum. It's a crazy story. So, yeah, if you listen to that, maybe he, he might not be on uh, NXT tonight. Yeah, you'll have to have to listen to the patrons to find out. Weekend show, which I think we're doing a little bit later this Friday as, as well for that. Because I'm at a Games Expo in London. Just say that for work hoping that no student, unless a student, something happens to them, in which case I won't be back in time because I'll have to be a proper <laughs> investigation. But let's, fingers crossed, that doesn't happen. Folks. Um, <laughs> young people, they fuck up, shit happens, but I still want to go home. You, know. Like, uh, you know, there's a direct clash there, shouldn't admit that on the radio. Um, but yeah, yeah, we've, we've, we've got those as well. So yeah, and also uh, from this last weekend, we did uh, a yes. special uh, Patreon Q and A as well. We did Too that late. live on Friday. Took a couple that. of calls, answered some questions about <laughs> AEW corner shops. Ted, Ted DiBiase. DiBiase. <laughs> 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 yep, that that question took a turn. I didn't expect lots of stuff. We had a, we had a good almost three hours worth of uh, of your questions. Some of which is libelous, some of which isn't. Listen to find out yeah. what, what is and what isn't. <laughs> I, a fuck, marry, kill that took us all by surprise as well. I'll just it say did, that. It did. Didn't mention that to John and my earlier when I recorded Remind Away. But anywho, um, <laughs> all of that stuff, yeah, patreon.com slash grapple. But yeah, let's get into the uh, the week's wrestling, lads. There's a bit of a, a jumble sale of, uh, of stuff to talk about today, a bit of a, a mix of stuff we've uh, all seen. Obviously, should start at the top with the most newsworthy stuff. JP just mentioned it, the draft, of course. Um, big thoughts, everyone, on um, Drew McIntyre jumping to Raw or SmackDown or whichever one he wasn't on. No, yes. <laughs> something was headed to say. Who gives, <laughs> lads, yeah. Honestly, who, give, who gives a fucking shit about it? Well? <laughs> I'm just trying I to mean, mind you. It's, it's, <laughs> but like, it's one of the things that, like, when we've when we've spoken about it before with the draft and like, I think we were talking about it on the weekend show. It, it, it's so meaningless because and it'd be so easy, wouldn't it? Because like drafts yeah. are big deals in other sports. Or like we did a world transfer window on BW last week and it was a load of fun. Like people do fantasy drafts all the time. They're loads of fun. Like it wouldn't be hard to make it interesting, would it? 
they don't stick to the rules. That's mm. the problem. They don't do complete separation. They don't manage them like they're two separate entities. It's the same, like, it always feels like it's the same thing, just one is red and one is blue. And so, as a result, it's like, because they break those rules, you can't take it seriously. And so, and, and then it's just the random nature of it. You look at it and there's no, like, discernible logic. There's no big money match that they're thinking they could work to on the SmackDown brand, is there? It's just they're moving people around for the sake of it. I'd like mm. to think that they're moving tech, um, deck chairs around on the Titanic, but they haven't really hit the iceberg as much yet. But it, it, it's it, so that's why I see these names and I go, what's the point? He'll turn up and fucking smack down soon enough. Who gives a shit? Like Roman Reigns yeah. will turn up where Roman Reigns is because the pattern always is as soon as the ratings fall, because they might have a little bit of a bump off this, a kind of little bit of interest to like 200,000 people who will turn up for this. And then they'll all disappear when they realize it's same old shit. And then the ratings go down and then they start moving people across the brands because Fox and USA tell them that they need to bump up a number. So the whole thing, to the point of me reading it, to the entire thing happening, it's just a, a waste of everyone's time and energy. And I just, it, like, there's nothing, what what have we gained by this? Yeah, Did you see Rich Holland beat uh, Pete thing, Guns, Rich, the main roster? Rich, Rich Holland, that was the only thing that jumped out to me. I thought, Rugby there you go. There, there's, there's, a, uh, there's a good incentive for all you five foot six lads in the performance centre <laughs> in Enfield there. You uh, you uh, <laughs> Big lad gets uh, put up there, over and above the worker, over the, over and above the one who's the centrepiece of uh, British wrestling within the WWE and everything like that. Old Ridge is up there because he's a big lad, and that's uh, that's the game these days, isn't it? And there's the uh, there's the ultimate proof of it with this with this draft. Looks good in that uh, cockney hat, though. Not as good as JP, obviously. Uh, mate, honestly, he's ruined it for that. And like, and Peaky Blinders again, a show I think I've watched half an hour of went absolutely not. That bar makes me absolutely not as well with it. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I did watch the NRL Grand Final this weekend. It was a cracking fucking match. So maybe they just thought rugby league. Let's go with that. That was a great game. But like, so and they just thought let's get Luke Menzies up there called up. But it's yeah, just you look at Pete Dunn. I mean, for him. He's got like the financial security of it, but it says a lot that ultimately you want a British name up on there. Who you're bringing up, big lad? And how soon is he in what? a feud with Sheamus and Drew McIntyre and the like or whatever? That that'll be the route. Mm. Oh, that's it, and it goes to like kind of what we were saying as well about like yeah, that's you know Pete Dunne signing a contract. Don't understand it, but you know whatever. Mm. Likes being a WWE superstar, so you know I feel like I feel like Adam Cole like pulling that uh, that emergency ripcord and getting out the week before NXT 2.0. History is going to judge that so favorably. Oh yeah, uh, I feel like Pete Dunne went the uh, the opposite route, but you know like, it says something, doesn't it? Like there were stories today that they were looking at um, splitting up the street profits. Like that's what they were going to do in this track. Been, it's just a fun thing. But he's like, ah, let's split some tag teams up. Let's shuffle some people back to Raw. Shuffle mm. some people back to SmackDown. Whereas, like you know, Gareth, you're a big like NFL fan. Like I'm, I'm a bigger thing of the calendars, the NFL draft, and out like you know bringing up college stars and stuff. It should be, you should be looking at if the, if NXT is going to be NXT 2.0, and presumably NXT UK will be NXT UK 2.0 at some point. I'm not. Saying Gallus getting signed to Raw would be a, a great moment or whatever, but like it would be a lot more interesting, like doing it that way and being like, oh, you know, Rick Steiner's um, son's now been drafted to SmackDown, and it's like a, a genuine draft and not just people just jumping back and forth from a blue t shirt to a red t shirt for, for no good reason. 
Yeah, that's it, hasn't it? They've, they've got to put that pathway in place. And then, so I suppose from that perspective, like a lot of what they are doing with the, I suppose, the, I mean, we've talked in the past, haven't we, about like NXT in the previous couple of years, like losing, not having a distinct identity or a distinct purpose and things like that. And it's just been a third brand and things. And then actually, you know, giving it that purpose of being, you know, a genuine developmental for people to to move up. I don't know. Maybe there is that opportunity in the future for it to become like a big deal again for somebody to get like drafted up. But yeah, as as a as things stand right now, like you know, it, it is just JP there just reading out names on a on a list, and it's just like, oh, was he on Raw or was he on SmackDown anyway? It just all feels pretty inconsequential anyway, really. So as as soon as anything. Like that just doesn't have any like value or worth in it. Then it, it doesn't matter if somebody's on telly on a Monday or if they're on telly on a Friday. If you've got no investment in them as a character or investment in them from a like storyline perspective, it just it just doesn't matter, is it? It's just something to just create that you know slight slight freshness. And I think like mm-hmm. one of the things there is you like talk about Ridge Holland. One of the things that, <laughs> that I noticed this week, and I only noticed it because I was updating the app. It's like Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel were on. 205 live <laughs> i was like wow it's like just hid, hidden away on 205 live you've got you've got like imperium there just and you're just like fucking hell like you, you know the hope of vince that, doesn't that, notice them and sack them just, just <laughs> the talent, that talent there just flying under the radar nobody knows about it i've, I've said nobody mention it or anything like that you know it's just a, just random you just got these people floating you know floating about like that and you just think yeah if you do if you uh if you're your face or your body body type doesn't uh, doesn't fit. This is your uh, this is your future, I think, uh, or your near future if you're in the WWE system now. I think there's a lot of a uh, lot of lads like this who've got a lot of talent who are just uh, you're just going to be on main event. You're just going to be on two hundred five live. You're just going to be filling gaps with the content that needs to be produced there. And if that's uh, if that's what you want, then. Yeah. Good for you. Thing is, though, is Mark Andrews definitely thinks if he works hard enough and he tries hard enough, him and Flash Morgan Webster, you know, they might get to be like a druid on SummerSlam 2022 in Cardiff. You know, you never know. They might get that opportunity. It might happen. But, like, you know, Ridge Holland, like, I, I just, I, I did the um, cheap plug, did Rewind Away with John and Way tonight, um, where we did the, uh, the Osprey documentary. And we talked a little bit about Ridge Holland at the end. And it was like, won't shock me if that's what NXT UK ends up being, just full of like ex rugby players and the like. Like we talked yeah. about, I think on the Q and A episode that, like, if I had to predict what NXT UK is in a year, I don't. I mean, they're going back to doing stuff with allegedly fans this week. They're I think they're sending out media invites. I haven't had mine yet, lads, but I'm uh, I'm keeping an ear oh. off for, uh, for any any plus ones. But like, <laughs> so you know, and there is also the news of BT apparently, you know. The record record it in their studio, so they're clearly big fans of uh of the product. But like, I honestly, you know, with the way NXT 2.0 went, so like, I, I don't know. That feels like a temporary thing. It feels like if the zone by BT, that'll go by the wayside anyway. But NXT UK this time next year, I honestly think it will be that. It will be a performance center in Enfield rather than in a mm. TV show, and they'll just be ex rugby players, you know, ex cricket stars, you know, people who played a bit of Sunday League or you know managed to get to the Vauxhall Conference or something. They'll be uh, getting a go. I think Ridge Holland is going to be the template, not the uh, not the Pete Dunn's of the world. That big lad from Enfield on the photos who was like a clear oh, foot, yeah. <laughs> foot taller than all of the uh, all the of the NXT of UK lads on that photo shoot. He'll be in there. He'll be in there doing tosses. <laughs> Definitely, okay. uh, I, I completely agree with you. That I think that's exactly what they're going to be doing. They're, they're going to mm-hmm. be filling that in, and, and 
what he wants ultimately, Vince, and what Laurinaitis and Bruce Pritchard know is he wants another OVW. That's what he wants. He wants that that class. He kind of wants that system where they're bringing, they're working with a Dave Batista, that type of stuff, mm-hmm. turning him into a wrestler than anything else. And they can find plenty of big muscle bound lads all over Europe to do that. I just think mm-hmm. they keep people like Fabian Eichner and Mars and. Marcel Bartel, neither of whom, by the way, are like 205 pounds. I think they're, aren't they bigger than that? But at the same time, they just keep them there because it's like, well, when we do go to Germany or we do go to France, or, you know, we want someone who, who is from that area who we can maybe put out there on some French t- TV clips and the rest of it, maybe get some kind of reaction in local fans. But that's the only reason. And they're sure as fuck not going over as well. If we know anything about WWE. They don't operate mm. in that system, so yeah, it's uh, you just look at them and 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 think that's what they're going back to. So I, I wonder now at this point, are certain contracts going to end up going allowed to to kind of lapse because that must be coming up soon. Mm. Although we've been saying that for like three years and it yeah, just limps have. on, so you know, and there's going to be fans. We just be proved right. Because we've said it for like <laughs> ten years, and then it dies. It told you, told you it would last. We win. <laughs> It's all Brit Rez's dead thing all over again. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, enough about WDB. As um, Ben said there, yeah, on the draft as well. Like, yeah, they always do that as all they do before Survivor Series. So they do Raw versus SmackDown, Blue versus Red t shirts for brand supremacy when half of them been on the brand a few weeks. And like this year's even worse because the delay and everything until after the Saudi trip, as Chris has said there, because uh yeah. probably because uh yeah, that uh, that murder I mean um person in charge over in Saudi Arabia wanted wanted things the way they were so that's what's happening he gets what he wants um did he yeah um, well did MBS <laughs> care what brand Becky Lynch was on <laughs> that's a good point you think you thought Yokozuna was still alive so yeah <laughs> does he really you know? care what he's getting uh I'll be watching that though Thursday night five o'clock whatever time it's on look forward to that in a few weeks um <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, enough of the WWE stuff. Let's uh, let's talk some interesting. So let's talk some uh, some AEW. We're on a Tuesday, so we got Dynamite and uh, and Rampage to uh, to catch up on. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw Careful here and mention Rampage first. Where we'll go on Nick Jackson, Brian Danielson um, this week as far as uh, far as a match goes. I really speaking of uh, another plug for the uh, the Jamesy uh, podcast we've got coming up. Thought that was a a hell of a match on uh, on Rampage last this week. Probably my my favorite thing from the uh, from from the week of uh, of AEW. Like uh, great to see. Uh, it feels like we're getting to see like American Dragon Ring of Honor Brian Danielson, but coming with all of the gravitas of like. WWE famous, like you know, one of the most popular wrestlers in the world, Daniel Bryan, and just coming out and having these bangers every week. Um, I kind of like partly think it's a shame it's happening on Rampage. I'd rather see it on a uh, on Dynamite in front of you know double the amount of people. But hey ho, it's still fucking awesome to get to see uh Brand Anderson go out there and kill it with Nick Jackson. That was the uh, the highlight of my AW week this uh, this last week. I have to say, I probably don't love love it as much as you did. Maybe it's just me. I thought it was actually, I thought it was a very good television match and the way it opened. Mm. I completely agree with the way they're presenting him because it was the, it was like the elbow strikes leading in, like say, leading into the, into the, oh, into the ropes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like like there's all of that kind of aspect to it as well. And I think Mm. it was, like you say, the whole purpose of it was to establish him as American Dragon. He's, he's different. Mm. It's a weird hybrid. And it's partly because he hasn't, he's not embracing the yes chance, which are part mm. of it. And I think that's the thing he kind of needs to do 
like I, I hate to say, it. I think there'll come a point. Maybe he's kind of not going away. No, they're not. But maybe there's a point where I know it's going to sound really daft. He has to kind of say yes to some proposal that's given for like the fucking match against Kenny Omega. And then at that point, he really leans into it and it starts as a chant kind of proper then at that stage. But I, I would still like him, him do that. I also like, there's just that part of me. I just want to see him working more like mm. on every episode of Dynamite. And I know Rampage mm. as well. There's almost that part of me wants to see him get into workhorse mode because that's, I think, like where you're going to really get that value from him. But in terms of that match, I mean, Nick um, Nick Jackson's fucking great. He's like tremendous in like generally, like uh, always as, as a single wrestler at the match he had against Phoenix as well. And here is the kind of shit heel, like kind of bumping around, taking some kind of brutal bits. And there was a lovely bit. I think it was the, like Rick Knox telling him to get off him. And he just put his hand up just like for the five. I've got till five referee. Got till five. Um, it's a, it was a really, I thought it was like a really fun TV match. I went three and a half stars on it. Oh, fair enough. Um, just looking, I hadn't put the rating in. I've gone four. Um, where'd you go on it, Gareth? Yeah, I was the same as JP, three and a half. It was it was a note that I'm going to write home about. It's probably in a match that I'm not going to remember, like in 12 oh, months' time or anything like that. But it was, um, it, I mean, just as far as TV matches go, I thought, yeah, it was it, it was good and you know, in, you know, enjoyable. It was just good to see, you know, again, just that kind of fresh matchup. I think more than anything, I think mm. it was just, so, you know, I think as much as over the next few weeks and months they're just rolling out these like different opponents who we know you know we can go out there and he's you know he's going to have three and a half star plus matches with that you know are just going to give you like a reason to turn on the tv each week then you know that um, i'm absolutely all over that and whether that's um you know the young opponents like we've talked about like your daniel garcia's or whether it's you know maybe older people who he hasn't been in the ring with for either a long time or ever and um then, then you know, that's all, all good, all, all good for me. But yeah, I mean, I wasn't blown, I, I wasn't blown away with it. I, I, I must admit. I mean, look at here; it's like averaging out at about three point eight on the app. So you know, probably splitting the mm. difference between you, Benno, and um, mm. you know, us two. But um, but yeah, fair. again, I think it's what it's one of those when you when you look at the uh, the talent that the lads got and uh, what he's capable of, and then you look at the dross that he's been um, put in a position to be able to have on American TV in his WWE career versus being able to come out and just have a have a match like this where he's just clearly having a lot of fucking fun and just getting to yes. roll out a few of his uh, his uh, old stuff as well and his greatest hits and things like that as you know and then it's uh, it's 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 all good and then you know that Nick Jackson like is reliable as fuck isn't he he's going to you know he, oh, but yeah. in that scenario he's just going to go out and perform every every single time but yeah I'd always um, Good prefer him in the role rather than like Matt like, yeah. I think Nick's the, the one of the uh, the two if I want to see them in this role like I think what I, what I really loved about it though was like just seeing Danielson here in, in, in AEW and kind of the penny dropping that this is this is just going to be normal but he's like I said it on Twitter when he walks out, he comes across like he's two foot taller than he was in WWE. Like he's not I look don't get me wrong, like there were genuine classic all-time wrestler moments that Brian managed to do in WWE as 
the plucky underdog. Like there was great stuff, mm. but like you, it's there's a clear change in direction of it of him in AEW where it's not going to be playing up to the fact that he's the short ass anymore. He is just an ass kicker. He's out there to to kick people's heads in and pick people apart, which is kind of what he did um, in this match with, match with Nick Jackson, which I just absolutely loved. Loved all the retro spots as you you mentioned there, Gareth, and even like the new stuff he was doing, where like that one where he like put both of Nick Jackson's arms behind each other against the ropes and they just started. Cl- loving him and, and Nick Jackson couldn't get away you can see Brian's kind of mind ticking of like oh think of all these fucking all this brutal shit I've been wanting to do in WWE and I can't do and he just seems so happy like you said Garrett to be out there and and doing this stuff and being more of a, a killer Brian Danielson than like you say the the happy underdog you know Daniel Bryan that he was as good as that was at points as well um so yeah clearly I'm I'm on on that one a little bit above the uh, the grapple average as well but no I love that um I mean it was a show where you know viewership was uh not low but you know in the 600,000s and it kind of uh, stayed that throughout the show again you know there is part of me who's starting to think eh, I don't know about putting you know some of it it depends what you put on the show you know we're putting there's obviously you've got to keep your TV company happy that get more money for it. I understand why they're doing the extra hour. Um, I wonder, you know, as time goes on, you know, what, what kind of stuff they're going to be putting on on Rampage, knowing that you know the ceiling probably is a you know a number around them. But I mean, one thing that surprisingly kept the numbers and I'm getting grief about it on Twitter all day was uh, was Matt, Hard- Matt Hardy's Hardy family office and uh, and Jack Evans against the uh, Orange Cassidy on the main event on Rampage as well. Did did did, did a marginally and this is where. I'll pull it out, Gal. You know, only statistically insignificant fifteen thousand people um, more watch this main event, but it didn't crater. So maybe there's uh, some mucky, uh, some maths behind there that, that Mucky Garner's putting together to uh, to explain why Matt Hardy's all the fuck over our TV TVs right now. But clearly, the uh, the hair versus hair stick work. Clearly, you know, uh, the storyline worked, and yeah. Um, I think you, you look at the two lads coming out and it was quite clear that uh, that Jack Evans was going to be the one to have his head shaved, the fucking state of the scruff. Um, but yeah it, it, yeah, it worked. I fucking hated it as a, as a, as a match, a segment and a feud, but at least we had a happy ending at the end of it all too. It was top and tailed by, I think, some really good stuff. Like I thought the Mark mm. Henry interview beforehand was genuinely funny. Mm. When he said to like an orange cast, he's like, I, I don't know what this is. Like, I, I laugh. And funny <laughs> enough, I think that's the best use of Mark Henry because there, there is this kind of comedic timing with the whole thing when he when mm. he says about it being the main event, even though we all know the main event's always the opener on this show, really. Um, and the closing shot with the Dark Order and they all go in a hug negative one, stuff that normally I'd be that very... so good. It's great, like the way that they do that. And obviously, again, you've got like kind of where is my mind by the Pixies playing there as well. So the whole thing has this kind of like it make because you've got this great song as well going on at the same time. It's like the end of a feel good movie, isn't it? It's like yes. the end credits roll and where is my mind plays and everyone goes home happy, you know, Doc Hall, they're back together. Brody Lee's wife's there. It's just all lovely, isn't it? Oh, it's like the fight, you know, it's when we were talking about AEW wasn't it? Mm. And we were talking about like the, the kind of our five to one and the greatest moments of it. Like we all kind of had an arcade anarchy up there for kind of like quite similar reasons. I think it was like the end of that. Show. I remember how enthused we all were from it. Everything else in between those two points, I couldn't give a shit about. Like, to be honest, I was completely like dead. And I did mm. think to myself, I wonder if Jack Evans, he would have got more hair than what he would have done having a hair versus hair match in Mexico. Probably is what he would have got for his kind of salary in being AEW. As it being a draw, it wouldn't surprise me if Orange Cassidy is it, it, to that extent. That's I true. Think it, 
Like, yeah, give him the credit, not Mahardy. Fuck off, Mahardy. Yeah, I, I, I honestly think it's Orange Cassidy. I think, it, you know, mm. they, they've, they do some more promotional stuff, a lot more promotional stuff with Orange Cassidy, and I think we give them credit for it because he does turn up and, like, you know, quite a few of the, like, you know, the general manager adverts and all the rest of it, and he was on MLB Central. And he's, like, clearly, you know, I, there is a there is a factor in being the draw. I mean, in terms of the rating itself, I think it's, like... This is feels like the mark that it will end up around more often than not. Mm. You know, below half a million, I imagine that you know they'll be thinking, okay, what's happening here? But the thing we always forget is it really is an awful time slot. This isn't prime time on a Friday. We're talking. We're talking about fucking ten pm. Mm. You know, leading into eleven o'clock, and people are watching like you know, Late Show and Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel and the rest, aren't they? Rather than you know, Bill Maher, rather than than watching this. It's a good rating. It's a good. It's a, it's a good. It's a, it's a good rating for it. Is I I think the thing that's jumping out for me most notably about the ratings, and when you look at them quarter hours, is just how that they're just starting to sustain a level. And you know, I know mm. we like to look for different things. We know we look. We're obviously we're looking at the demos. We're looking at you know who's you know what you know segments have like performed better than others. But I just feel like there's been this leveling out a little bit more or so in recent times and it's just like holding that through throughout whereas maybe six months ago nine months ago you maybe had these spikes kind of thing where you could like pull out a segment that was significantly higher or you did see things kind of drop off as as you were getting later on through the show if there wasn't something compelling there to keep things uh, held at the end so almost you know where we talk about okay building the audience and growing the audience and things if, if you're attracting 1.1 million and you've got 1.1 at the start of the show for dynamite and then you've got as near as damn it 1.1 at the end that's great that you're just holding these people for that time here and it was the same with this this rampage as well it's essentially it was just that same number of people watching all the way to the end and then as you are getting towards you know it's midnight and things like that and you've still got the same number of people watching on a friday night it's all all positive news and you know you always come back to i know it's obviously time moves on and things but you know you know, raised it last week. You know, Dynamite, their initial target was half a million people. Like Rampage is doing higher than that in that time slot on a Friday night and they're sustaining that audience as well. Fucking, you know, great news. And especially when you think what, you know, once Danielson and and, and Nick Jackson had finished their match, what the kind of was there really to to hold you to this show? There wasn't stuff that was necessarily like absolutely, you know, you have to watch kind of thing. But I mean, I think it was probably just spiked by, you know, various people who have done well in the ratings and in the past, like Thunder Rose has obviously been a bit of a draw in the mm. past. Orange Castle has been a draw in the past, just dropping in your Malachi Black, dropping in your punk and things like that. So, you know, just as in terms of getting back to this been a one hour show, like it felt good. It felt good. This been a one hour show yeah. compared to that two hour show last week. And then just thinking the pace of this with the little segments in between the matches and it just been like pretty rapid. And then you're straight into another match where there's at least, you know, one star involved. It just felt perfectly booked to me. And if this is, if this is what it is and it's a one hour show with three matches and then you've just got little elements that are maybe it is just a match and it's just on for Rampage, but there are like elements that are built into storylines a bit more that, that are a bit bigger and it's going to kind of make people stick around to watch, you know, Dynamite the following week or it's just to showcase stuff that's happened on Dynamite or coming in on a pay-per-view. I think it serves a really good purpose. And it, like I say, I've, every every one of these one-hour shows I've watched, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed. It's perfect stuff. 
Yeah, it shows, a, I think, when the rating's like that and it's, like, consistent across the show, it just shows an overall investment in the product, doesn't it? It shows that, like, you know, people aren't just, like you say, tuning in for, for one segment. Or over the, overall, people are just sticking with the show to the end and getting into, like, the pattern of watching this, you know, every week. And I definitely agree with what you said there about it being a much easier watch it, just being back to the hour, there were less. Oh, um, this is Rampage breaks in it, which is always <laughs> good. <laughs> so I was happy with that. And, yeah, it was just, like, a... Although I didn't hugely love the main event, it was an easy to watch hour as well. I'll, I'll always, uh, always take that uh, in my wrestling. Um, going back to Dynamite, um, any big takeaways from that? We're a bit removed from it now, so maybe we won't spend too much time on it. But thought it was a good episode of Dynamite as well um, yeah. last week. I think they, again, you know, get punk on commentary, and I'm, I'm always happy. Um, there was definitely a, a there was a, hit, a couple of hairy moments there. I imagine you were the same as me, Gareth, when, uh, when Cole, I, I was, I was literally sitting there waiting for Cole Cabana to tag in in that big dark order tag, just hoping, hoping the punk could be forced to say his name. And then once he was in there, not legally, and hit that big moon salt, punk just pretended he wasn't there. So, oh well, we didn't get our moments, but <laughs> other than that, punk was uh, was great on commentary. It was a uh, one night. The good thing is, though, is they know that we're <laughs> watching for that. You know, yeah, the, the, not going to give it away. And that's you know, it's that that's something that the it, that that little that little tease. It's it's by it's by design. It's it, it's not by accident. That kind of thing as well, as well. And you know, I think it's mm-hmm. just just giving you that little like seed of intrigue with that with, with that one. But again, I have yeah, all in all, I thought it was like a, a really good show. I just thought, um, yeah, again to you know. Wax lyrical about Adam Cole, like he just, uh, you know, started this show again, just you know, for that Jungle Boy match, Great him coming out, he just felt like a. He continues week in week out to just feel like a bigger and bigger star, you know. When he came out, the the pop that he got and you know, the pop that he got in comparison to to Jungle Boy as well, like fucking hell, he's over with that crowd, absolutely massive. And then yeah. the the match itself, like, really delivered, you know. Like, as I'm looking at star ratings here, I went 3.75 on that for me. Like, Same. I enjoyed the, I enjoyed that more than I enjoyed the Danielson Nick Jackson match. You know, I thought it was a it was a hell of an mm-hmm. opener to the to, to the show. I thought Punk was great on commentary. I just thought the again the, the the pace of the match just like you know really delivered, and it, and it served a purpose there where kind of both guys came out of it feeling a little bit bigger like by the by the end of the match as well and then just sort of really showcasing Cole but again just presenting Jungle Boy in a um in a positive and, and growing light as well really and yeah it just felt like kind of back to business to to start the show with that one um that that, that yeah. one really jumped I liked off I like that this show was bookended by that, which was, you know, a great little match. I think we're all in agreement, star rating wise, on and ended by, you know, a great little match in, in Nero and Sammy Guevara as well, which I, I kind of loved equally. Don't know how much I love the finish, though. What do, what do you guys think about Miro dropping the belt? Like, I, I think it just took me by surprise. I thought, I just assumed there was going to be another, you know, 10 defences of Miro battering through people. I mean, maybe that's a good thing that caught me by surprise with this one. You know, if Miro's going on to being a, a, a well, you know, champion level guy or is going to continue to be booked strongly, it's no great loss, I suppose. But I don't know. I was in for, I was in for some more Miro as TNT champion and Sammy Guevara is a wrestler I like, but I'm still not sold on as a baby face. So, yeah, they really caught me by surprise with the, the main mid finish as much as I enjoyed the match. Yeah, I thought the same. Like I was again, I had zero expectation going into this that uh, Miro mm. was going to get beat. Um, yeah, the, the way it was done. I mean, it was 
I mean, I couldn't complain at the end of it. I, you know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as a, you know, as as a match, as a, as the finish and things like that. It felt like a, another kind of feel good moment with 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 AW at the end with him, uh, with him with him taking the the belt. I mean, it feels like, you know, with the way that Miro's been getting over, either there is that, you know, where there is that move into the upper echelon that's putting him into a, you know, a feud there that's kind of helping him step up, or equally he can just come, he could come back and he could beat Sammy Guevara in a fortnight's sure. time and take it back as well. You know, I think with this belt, it's it's something that you can kind of flip between a, a couple of people, and you've kind of, it's been, it's like another notch on Sammy's belt. The fact that he's even held it, kind of thing, you know, as they, as as you know, they, as one of the four pillars, as was. Uh, identified on this show that he um you know it's a it's it's another notch on his belt really for his his progression as well so i mean it's one of those where you kind of yep see where it goes with it could be that it's a positive step for miro moving up it could be just that it's another it's another step in this storyline between the, the the two of them that ends up just been a feud that maybe just carries on for a few more months and just like you know has some even better matches and a bit more juice in certain situations as well but um while it was a surprise I wasn't disappointed. I thought at, the, at the end, I thought, yeah, it was. It, I, I, it was kind of a feel-good smile on my face at the end of the show. Maybe his mates from the inner circle, JP. What, what happened to them? Remember when he was in a circle? Yeah, that's <laughs> very. Remember when we were like, oh, we, 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 we were literally like, remember they did that step where if in a circle lost, they'd have to break up, and then they won. And it was like, I'm sure they and should they break up anyway. Yeah, basically they have, haven't they? Because like Jericho did a, an interview with Steph the other week where like he literally said he wanted to break up and it was Tony Khan, the captain together, which wasn't my expectation. I assumed Jericho pulled some kind of power play to keep them together. I mean, you know, other than Jake Hager, who probably does need to be attached to the hip to, to, yeah. to Jericho just for stuff to do. Like Sammy's off doing this, you know, problem powerful by right should be teamed with fucking you know if you're gonna if, if they're gonna bring homicide in kingston homicide moxley lack crew they should be with them it's all very weird isn't it it is very weird and i can't make kind of like really head and the tail of it i have to say i'm probably with that match in and of itself and going with sammy guevara it's one of these things where i think it's an interesting enough move that they can do it and i think gareth gets it right like what they what they do with the tnt title is it means enough but title changes can happen. They can happen in a pretty random way. And they can mm. also happen in kind of squash matches as well, like yeah. we've seen, we saw with like Brody Lee and stuff like that. I think to a degree, I think Sammy opens it up to kind of other interesting challenges. I mean, I don't know whether or not you put someone like a Malachi Black in there eventually after a while when you give Sammy a few wins. And I, I think with Miro, they have to have noticed with the reaction and everything else that he's been getting that this is a guy you can elevate up into that towards that top level of the card and you can have him go up against heels. I'd be fascinated to see if they do that and that dynamic because that's a thing that we were kind of pointing out a while ago. As soon as he did this redeemer um, gimmick change, ever since then there has been this kind of like fans are kind of pumped up to see his matches and you can imagine them I can see them like kind of looking and going, okay, we've kind of got the character defined for Miro. We need to try and see what we're going to be able to get out of him for the length of time that they've got him, however however long his contract is with them as well. Um, so I have a funny feeling I could see him up around that kind of top echelon of the, of the card as well. Like, you know, maybe up there against like your bro, um, Adam Pages and stuff like that when he comes back. I think you can get some juice out of a variety of views. I think you can build him up as an opponent for Punk. I think there's some mm. fascinating stuff. Oh, if they're going there. Really do with him. 
great or better off. I'm yeah. Like, and there's no reason to feel disappointed by him because the initial character obviously was an absolute bust. But this one is like, this is your kind of money character. This is the stuff mm-hmm. that will, will, will draw people in. And we always thought it at the time when he was in WWE and he was like, you know, he wins the match where he comes out on the tank, you know, against, against Cena. And you think of the level that he gets to. And Gareth had him in, in one of the other Grapple Patreon episodes we did about missed opportunities and had Miro in there. It feels like they know what they've got with him here. And mm. so moving away to Sammy Guevara, I love that Pillars talk. I also want to see Ricky Starks come in and say, sorry, I'm the foot, I'm not, I'm no Junaki armor. I'm, you know, I'm more than the fifth pillar. Um, no insult to Junakiyama is fucking great, by the way. But I, I kind of look at this as a good bit of business. And I read some wild conspiracy theories, something to do with like where he's from in Bulgaria. There's some sort of like seven is the number of hills that are there or something. And they would get to, get to an eighth defense. I don't know what bullshit it was I read on that, but it was kind of fucking funny. So mm-hmm. yeah. And it's, and I was looking through the rest of Dynamite, all the other stuff in there. There was so I'm threatening to, to kill a man, mate. Sorry, did you enjoy that? Did you enjoy Arn threatening to kill a man? Get his glove. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I saw some great, like, kind of variety of the GIF of the move from Fire Pro Wrestling, which was quite extraordinary. <laughs> yeah. Pulls the guns out to just murder Arn in a Sopranos font with a gun instead of the R. Um, like <laughs> that particular, ple- you know. Some great show images. Before there, Horseman well. Pose is perfect to just put a gun in it, isn't it? It just it worked too well for the air uh, the photoshoppers this week. Like what? Like it's just the fact that he, he went that far. It was like, yeah, Cody, you're the type of man who'd walk away. I'm the type of man I'll pull my clock out and I'll throw their blades out. It's like, what? <laughs> I agree with this. It's fucking great though. <laughs> I'll take it, Murder and Arn Anderson. These are the promos he's always wants the cup, but standards and practices in there. Uh, in WWE, he couldn't get past them. I thought he rode limos with Rick, though. There's no reason for him to like wind down the back of a limo and then pull out. Well, you never know. Unless it was the fucking 80s. trigger up here we've never reached. It could be a cry for help, this, as far as we know. Mm. Could be. <laughs> fucking boss level, I know. Like, I love that segment as well, in general. Like, it was good, but yeah, it's just. <laughs> We're back okay. to wacky Cody shit, aren't we? Very, very fucking quickly. Yeah, but I think there's a there's a thought behind it. I think I think like it's not a. I think Cody's leaning into you know what we all think the narrative is, Gareth. This is like for like for me, this is one where I've been questioning the value of Arn for you know a, a, a while. But then just you know him coming out here and just delivering that, I'm just like, yes, thank God he was on the TV there this week because that was just yeah. absolute gold, like proper like pissing you know proper pissing myself and it was just thinking there where I don't know if you can put him in scenarios where yeah the the, the shackles are off and just like let him go a bit more free form I'm well up for getting a bit more of uh, this version of, of Arn Anderson but I think definitely like bleeding into the the Cody stuff and everything that's going on with the crowds and everything that's going on with Cody's character and things it just feels you know him obviously you know, giving him a bit of a telling off and like, you know, taking mm. off with uh, Lee Johnson at the end and things. Just, you know, you just think for a segment that just on multiple layers just absolutely delivered and then, you know, gave you, know, gave you a reason for a segment almost like being in there on a show. It's, you know, great, great stuff. It just like, just really, really de- de- delivered to me, and I, th- I think that they, you know, they're clever enough that the more that they can build stuff in like this and get different 
is involved, then the Cody stuff will become interesting, and then the crowd reactions around it will become interesting, and they they'll manipulate that in you know one way or the, the other to to get to the end goal that they that they want to be it to be as well. And it just it just perked my interest back in in Cody Rhodes having you know talked about you know probably been a bit cold on it kind of thing and him you know gone from mm. the point where he was somebody who had done a total you know 180 in, in my opinion on him i was starting to kind of like flick back the other way but um i'm uh well up for uh seeing where this goes definitely definitely yeah that was a great talking segment on the show i thought darby and mjf had great moments as a talking segment although it was like one of those classic aw ones where the positive of aw being a bit more unscripted is you get better promos overall you get better moments unfortunately sometimes segments kind of grind to a screeching halt with no real obvious end this was one of them it was a bit like oh they just left okay <laughs> that's the end of that but as far as like the actual content of it you know there's clearly a good feud there i feel like you know it can't have been a coincidence mjf was picking on the straight edge element of the derby of derby you know with punk right there on commentary like they had to know what reaction that was gonna get mm-hmm. even punk made a, a couple of comments as well but not a bad little um feud to go to derby and mjf and as you both said the uh, the four pillars stuff um that mjf mentioned there kind of uh bleeds into that too um but yeah still had a, a very very surreal ending is the only thing with that one yeah i agree with you on that one he's very very odd um, in terms of the ending for that it, it just feels like it could be more of a meaningful feud for mjf mm. and moving on yeah. to something fresh it also means interaction with sting that mm. will be great as well um i think there's like at least for like a couple of months you can do something really interesting but i like the idea early doors that they're setting out like the the four that they're going with because all of them make sense. None of them big, by the way, which is which is mm-hmm. also fascinating from it. But he's already had good amount of interaction with Jungle Boy. Always, I've always really enjoyed their matches as well. And obviously, he's he's had the kind of constant interaction with Sammy Guevara as well at the same time. So it kind of makes sense with Derby um, being in there that that they would be kind of teamed up to together as well at some point. Yeah, I, I just think they need to be possibly just a bit more creative about how they tell this story rather than anything else. My fear is I don't want to see M- like talking segments for MJF that kind of come out there. I want to see the, them actually kind of try and do something with this. Like maybe I, what stakes do you put there? Do you put in like the kind of build up to a number one contendership type match? I mean, like it's, it's the kind of thing that needs to be substantial at this stage. Hmm. Agreed. I thought it was interesting. Obviously, they went to that with like the the four pillars. Obviously, Sammy Guevara was referenced. Obviously, then he wins the TNT title, and you know, I was thinking that would be, but that would be a belter to throw on there is to just do that where you, if you've got Derby and MJF and you've got the belt on Sammy, and then the reference Jungle Boy, that's just like a, a four way to throw in or something like that there with them like quite early doors over the TNT title or something like that. It is just setting, you know, it is almost setting things for for further down the line and getting them all in the mix together at the. At, at that point, that that felt like something that yeah, you know, I'd be quite uh, intrigued and interested to see. I think you referencing punk, uh, the punk chance here though, and uh, again, I think it was one earlier in the show as well when like the elite came out and they were doing their promo, and there's a lot of CM Punk chance there as well, and that's one of them where you look and you you probably do have to just be a little bit careful with him up there on the ramp on commentary, and especially when you give him the mm-hmm. big entrance when he's doing commentary as well. Is that again with the presence he has, you know, this is it's supposed to be about like you know 
Kenny and Danielson or the elite and, and and that side of things. And this one here, it's supposed to be like MGF and Derby, but you've got those CM Punk chants and it can be, you know, counterproductive in some instances. So I think they maybe just need to just be a bit clever about maybe some of the language that's used in certain situations and that, because you don't just want, you know, CM Punk chants uh, um, all over the top of other uh, other storylines that you that, that you try to bring into to play there. Um, I thought JP would have definitely got a kick out of MLW getting referenced to their way with his... Uh, his old friend, oh, yeah. I bet you were loving the MLW reference. <laughs> well, I mean, if anything, it's the real forbidden door, isn't it? It's where everything <laughs> comes at one point or another. Um, <laughs> Maybe one day. You know, it's only yeah. a hipster forbidden door. I like to think. Um, <laughs> on, on, the, on the promo side of things, though, like I'd, another one that jumped out to me again, probably from a negative thing, was the Dan Lambert one. Again, you know, I've talked about. I just felt like it was just getting a bit stale and a bit dull, and just missing the mark. And and I like that segment. It improved when he handed the mic over, and like Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page were better on the mic than mm-hmm. him. And it was just here where I was just left going. What is the value of him now? Like, why is it? Why is he involved? These two lads can talk. Just, just fucking, just, just leave it to them because the the Dan Lambert stuff I enjoyed the first week, but after that, it's just diminishing returns every single week for me, and I, I just can't see the the value in this in this pairing for for Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page right now. And there's not no. a chance that either is it Scorpio Sky will be facing Sammy Guevara soon enough because they set that up in like the ad break for Roads to the Top, <laughs> which hopefully we'll talk about because in the first ad break that they, they, they were setting up that's the direction they're going in. So mm. they're not going to win that. It's very unlikely. So they're effectively, their characters and everything else, it's just the same situation all over again. And I like the Derby feud, but mm. yeah, they're just really missing it. It's, it's those, those points when you see those guys, you go, they've got too many people. At that stage, yeah, they're the kind they of just people who get completely lost in the shuffle. Mm. I mean, they should be on TV, but doing their own thing. They've got there's no yeah. reason for them to be with that lamb, but it's a, it's a weird swing and a miss. Um, but yeah, we can uh, talk about uh, roads to the top in, in a second. But during the uh, the roads to the top uh, show later on, they did uh, advertise for for next week's diamond. So dynamite, Bobby Fish and Sammy Guevara. So Bobby Fish uh, coming in for a for a one off. That's a that's an odd one. Um, also on the show, we got the uh, the elite versus uh, Danielson, Christine Cage, and uh, Jurassic Express. But Serena Deeb. This is Hikaru Shida, and we've got the casino ladder match, which, yes, Matt Hardy has talked his way into because, of course, he has, uh, along with <laughs> Lance Archer, John Moxley, Andrade, Pac, and Orange Cassidy as well. Um, yeah, Pac Dynamite, though, coming up for the uh, the one-year anniversary. Um, kind of surprised at that Bobby Fish one. I don't know whether they're going to maybe tease something with Adam Cole or not. I don't mind it if it's a one-and-done. I'm not really sure I want to necessarily see Bobby Fish at this stage in his career in AEW. I could have seen him taking turning up on dark or dark elevation or the like, but maybe this is some kind of indication they want to do something to reference his history with Adam Cole. Um, but yeah, Sammy's first defense, Bobby Fish. I just I was stunned when I saw this. I was just scrolling through mm. Twitter and saw that graphic, and I was like, "What?" And I just assumed it was what, like fan made, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fan made graphic kind of thing. And then I was like looking into it and I realized it was the match, and it just fought with the. I don't know. With the volume of new people who've come in at this point, it just doesn't. I don't know. It just didn't feel like a good fit, even if it's a one and done. It just feels. I don't mm. know. I don't know what. I, I don't know what the positive is is of it, and especially to be to be on dynamite. Like it just feels. Do you think like they're going to um, give Nidart him? 
do like oh. the DX Jim Neidart angle and Adam Cole and the lads just run him off the territory or something like that. Spray paint a, a yellow line on his back. I don't know. If, if they do something like that, then fair enough. You know, you know, then it's, you know, I'm sure that'll be like entertaining, but equally, I don't know, it just feels a bit like, oh, and, you know, he's another guy from <laughs> from the other place mm. who we're, you know, sticking on our TV. And, yeah, I don't, unless there is some kind of, you know, angle built into it like that, I really don't see the value. But what I'm most excited about is Serena Deeb and Ikaro Shida because, you know, Shida's mm. obviously been missing for, for a while. I feel like I haven't seen, you know, Deeb. And I think these two, I think they'll just mesh really well in the in, in the ring i think that's a that's a quality quality women's match that's uh possibly uh possibly there on the table with with, with that one you know i think i think as i'm looking down that card i'm probably i'm probably more excited about that as a match than any of the any of the other matches that are on there um to be honest is brian danielson not uh Doing promos about Kenny Omega's knob on Dynamite, not get you excited for that. Uh, for that, <laughs> that was fucking Monday Night Raw, wasn't it? Let's just get to the match, lads. I don't need, don't need any of Kenny's got no balls stuff. Kenny like, no balls. Just, no. Oh, <laughs> that was so raw, wasn't it? That was like that's one of the bad habits Danielson's picked up in WWE. I want to see him in the ring kicking ass. I don't want him to see him doing stuff like that. Yeah, and then it was when and you got the reminder because obviously it was the same crowd, wasn't it, for Rampage? So you got the reminders. They were like chanting it again, like on Rampage when you were you watching that, you know, oh. watching that, getting the, the Kenny Nobles chants going, kind of thing. I was just like, oh god, don't make this a thing, please. Like, you know, get this one out of the way. But you must be uh, absolutely chomping at the bit to see uh, Danielson tagging with Christian Cage. Couple of veterans, mate. Great workers know what they're doing in the in, in there between the ropes. Be great. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, we got that. I, I am looking forward to it. I think it'll be a great, uh, great multi man match. And yeah, speaking of which, obviously the ladder match there, and Chris has uh, mentioned in the chat there, there is a, a surprise man um, in there in that ladder match. Like I say, Mahardi Lansarch, Orange Casty Pack, Moxley, Andrade. Any guesses on the mystery man? There's been a bit of talk about potentially Hangman Page. It wouldn't shock me, you know, if it was him and, you know, AW will do that. Like, you'll think, oh, that'll be six months away uh, or two months away or whatever. And it'll, it'll just happen on Dynamite and we'll get going with him and Kenny again. But I, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I think it's a... I've really got a great, like, list of names it could be instead, but feel soon. That's I mean, that's that, that's my immediate go-to in my head is that, mm. that it's going to be Hangman. It just it just feels I don't know. It just feels like that's that's what it would be kind of thing. And I feel like we've you've had I don't know. You've had so many big name signings recently that it just does I don't know. It just doesn't seem to another one now. Kind of I don't know. It it, it, it almost like feels it. feels too close to to be something like that. So it almost just feels to be right. like. It, it's yeah, but like, God, can you imagine? Like, oh God, I'd be fuming, I'd be gutted. But I, 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 you know, I, I think if you know, if it is Hangman, that's you know, fine. He'll get a fucking huge pop, won't he? Like coming mm-hmm. coming back out, it'll make him look like a, a star here on what's going to be like another another big show as well. You know, I'm perfectly uh, perfectly happy to to go with that. I've just said the words big show. It better not be Paul White again. That'll be something. Uh, <laughs> the giant ladder. I, yeah, I won't be happy with. It, but um, but yeah. Again, I think any time that there's a the throwing a mechanic like this and it's you know gets you wondering, gets you speculating, it's always always good and just sort of fills you with a bit of intrigue really to to what's coming up. Any guesses, JP, on the mystery man? Oh, God, do you know what? 
Not really. I think Adam Page is the one that makes the most sense because I completely agree. I don't kind of want to see anyone else joining because I even think about like Leo Rush joining. I think, do you need him really? Like, is he just not going to get lost in the shuffle with all of this? And that's the last person who debuted in this. I remember um, we were talking about this on the weekend show. The last person who debuted in that kind of position was Ethan Page. And we've just spent time mm. talking about how he wasn't lost there. So Adam Page is the one that's there. But it's the idea of a, a multi-man ladder match for, like, uh, is it number one contendership? I, I just mm. don't like it because it, it kind of... WWE just, have bastardised the ladder match yeah. this last couple of years, haven't they? And this is pure WWE. This is, we're going to get a number one contender out of nowhere because then the wins and losses record of the seven people doesn't really matter. Because Matt Hardy wins, in theory. He becomes number mm. one contender. And you're just like, you know, there's no right for him to be kind of even in this match, is there? Like that's one of the that's one of the kind of issues. I, I just don't like the idea of it, and it but it works out timing wise with Adam Page. Yeah, mm. and there could be any number of people who are like your Bray Wyatt's and your Braun Strowman to get linked with it. But yeah, I hope to God that's not the case. Yeah, well, I guess we guess we'll see. But yeah, it's stacked dynamite. So yeah, imagine it'll be uh, you know. Last week's uh, show held up well in the 1.1 million range. I imagine this will be a, a bit above that. You obviously can't do it every week, but yeah, looks like a, a fun one um, coming up this week. Um, move on. Oh, I was going to move on from AW, but actually, headline here, JP. We have got to talk. Me and you suffered through some roads to the top. I thought you might watch oh. it, Gareth, being a completist. Wow. <laughs> to, say, to finish I, I, I the AW, I, I will watch it at some point, definitely. <laughs> we say it I'll show off with Sarah. I've watched enough Total Bellas and Total Divas that uh, this will uh, <laughs> this will be added to the repertoire. Honest to God, like Randy Rhodes <laughs> has got to be the person with the least self awareness I've ever like seen in my life. Like, fair, fair enough, she might be playing up to it, like for the cameras here, but fucking hell, I, like the the ego on this. this She's talking about like how she wants to go back into the when she's uh, done with like the baby and stuff. She wants to like be AW Women's Champion again. And like there was a little clip at the end where Cody's like trying to talk into her, like starting from the bottom. And she is like basically her attitude is Anna Rhodes. I should I shouldn't have to do that type of thing. And it's just like oh my god, like everything everything about her. Like she's she talks in this thing. I don't know if you got the same impression, JP, of like she talks like. Because when she talks about coming from NXT and doing wrestling, being like for former like WWE performer and stuff, like if you were watching this and you didn't know anything about like the Rhodes family or anything about her or anything about NXT, you believe she was this grizzled veteran pro yeah. wrestler who's like in AW and being misused and should be like the focus of this women's division. Like, you know, you say Cody can be delusional at times. She is just, I know I'm in danger of being worked by a reality show here, but good God, she is, uh, she is something else. Yeah, she is. And the whole time it's talking about her wanting to come back and you just want to go, nobody's had the conversation where they've gone, you're shit. You don't have yeah. any action in the ring whatsoever. You just don't. You don't have it. It's not the athleticism. There's not the kind of intuitive nature about how to kind of pick it up. Awful. Like, and the behind the scenes stuff, like, I, I kind of, you know, maybe she's good at that. I mean, I'm, I kind of feel almost, I'd like to see other people I'd like to see, you know, other people who aren't interested what their opinion of her and everything else is, because she doesn't come across as particularly likable to me. Kind of, you know, Cody at the same time doesn't really come across as particularly likable either. He's not like offensive or anything else, but it's 
it's a really strange thing. And I was going to say about the brandy stuff, the mm. whole Jade Cargill red velvet stuff. Oh, what was that? What the fuck was that about? Jade slapped like, her too hard or something. Like they, were, I mean, they were clearly yeah. working it, but like, oh. and it looked like they were working it and pretending they weren't working it in front of cameras. So it was just like, so you're working a shoot, really, aren't you? At this point, mm. this is we're already wandered into Russo territory on episode one here, Bella. With this <laughs> so, and that's what yeah. this is, though. That's the nature that's of the beast, exactly. isn't it? Yeah, you, you got to create conflict and whatever to like get the show off. Um, I don't know. That did, that's the process yeah, well, of of like editing mm. it down to manipulate it to create certain situations, but not really creating <laughs> anyone particularly likable. Well, this is the thing. Who's the show for? Like, as a wrestling fan, I don't feel the need to ever watch it again. Like, I, I got some nice, you know. Got to see what it looks like backstage, you know, at an AW show. Like that was a, a bit of a positive. You know, there was a fourth segment where Jericho gave Cody a, a copy of his book, which definitely wasn't just to get Jericho's book on the on the uh, on the TV or um from the road to interview to get Jericho on their on their TV show. There was some really awkward stuff with Tony Khan. You could tell just didn't want a camera on him. Like wants nothing to do with this show. Uh, and then Cody, like isn't much more likable than Brandy. Like they, I know you haven't seen it yet, Gareth, but they, they try and try and kind of frame the Cody, you know, Patriots, you know, I'm and it's where you watch, you, you rewatch this promo where he's talking oh. about that, you know, WH Park said on versus, you know, they, 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 it was like they were having the first biracial baby of all time. Like <laughs> it's really bad. Like seeing it again, like that some of the stuff he says in that promo about like the city they're in and how great it is that he's going to have a baby and it's going to have a black woman, a white dad. And they played it. Brandy's like in tears at Gorilla and like kind of like, this is the most, oh, it, Cody doesn't get me, but what an emotional, great moment. Tony Khan's got a look on his face like he knows he's shit, but he can't say. Billy Gunn's kind of just humor and Brandy. But at no point do they approach the fact that this thing bombed was shit on by everyone. They talk yeah. about it like it was this award-winning killer Cody promo that got this feud on track. Oh, it was so bad, JP. Like, so lacking in self-awareness. Absolutely. Completely as well. I mean, you'd swear that this was like a promo delivered in 1965 in Atlanta, mm. Georgia. But it is <laughs> yeah. it's 2021. So yeah. you're just sort of like incredulous with it. It turned a go-go face. Really, really did turn a go-go face. It was just like yeah. it didn't work at all. And I think there might be the thing about this show of just the sort of morbid curiosity of what it's like. Now, it's just the genre for me is the complete turn-off. And it follows all of the tropes and the rest of it as well. I was trying to think of the other backstage stuff. The main bit was like Ricky Starks with the neck mm. injury mm. and the rest of it. And he's just pulling this kind of quite weird, open mouth, looking pissed off expression, isn't he, Ricky Starks? That, that felt real. That felt like he yeah. just found out he's got a broken neck and he put a camera on. <laughs> that was he the only real like, moment in it. He looked like he wanted to say stuff, like he was angry, yeah. but he just wasn't yeah. going to say anything because there's a fucking TV camera in his face. As Tony Khan and Cody Rose are explaining to him that he needs to take time off. Mm. Um Probably making it sound more interesting, kind of what it was, isn't it? They're, mm. they're setting up stuff with Cody's sister, saying like, you know, writing an email to Brandy, saying about how she wanted to use the cut the roads name, and mm. she's not allowed to. And I'm like, I'm sorry, no. Who the fuck are you? Like mm. Teal Runnels, really? I have no idea who that is. Other than I think she came out with the all in name or something like mm. the pay per view. 
I don't think she spent days thinking up that name, ultimately, <laughs> did she? Probably went, oh, yeah, you mentioned it all in here in one of your tweets. There you go. How about that for a name? That's, that's my job in wrestling, done. <laughs> so, yeah, they were setting up that. There's stuff. It's. I'm kind of intrigued. I won't lie. And there's probably a lot of kind of very easy laughing at it rather than laughing with mm. it quality because it is, it's reasonably po-faced. Like I don't, you like you said, the, the self-awareness isn't great in this show, um, but it's who it appeals to. Like you come back to, I think the rate you did was initially strong, but I can see that kind but of all men. Right <laughs> exactly, all men. I can see mm. it going down. Is it the kind of stuff they're going to do repeats during the day? or anything mm. like that, because I don't think it's kind of... Is there swearing in it? I can't remember. Like, don't think so. No. like it, it, That's where it'd be best served. Mm. Stick it in the Excited to watch it, Gareth. Sally, Jesse, Raphael. <laughs> put it in there. <laughs> there you go. I, I love that. I, 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 I love not expect it. Gareth will be the sound of this. Yeah, I love this shit, so I'll... Uh... I'll happily uh, <laughs> happily watch this and enjoy it. And it's uh, tell us what Sarah thinks. Make Sarah. Yeah, watch. I was going to say she'll she'll watch it. She's a uh, she's a big Bella's fan. It's <laughs> a Patreon podcast and that, mate. Get going. You and Sarah and you uh, road to the top. Road to the top. Yeah, yeah. Road to the top with the Hodgins. <laughs> there you go. Could be a uh, just could just be a bonus graphic, show. Man. Yeah, yeah. I would have thought a Tony Hibbert reality show. She'd be all over, maybe. But, you know. Oh, yeah. Bit of that. <laughs> Tony a bit down County Road on a session. See <laughs> um, him doing it. One of those uh, fancy football accounts that got leaked was under the name of Tony Hibbert, but I don't think it was him. Um, by the way, for anyone who didn't listen to the pre-show, I got my team back. Uh, that's the uh, the Cliff Notes version, but yes. And the draft <laughs> team. Like, like, yeah, we got the live moment as he found out he had his draft team back as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Worth every penny just to see that cheer. Everything bad I ever said about the fancy football, uh, the fancy Premier League lads was uh, was net was was not true. But I will extend all of the, my hatred towards anyone, any any listeners out there who signed up to fancy for football hub. Um, check your username and password, everyone. That's where the that's where my leaked uh, username and password came from. So uh, unique passwords. That was the uh, the lesson learned in the pre-show today. But anyway, yeah, we will uh, we'll look forward to uh, hearing your uh, your road to the top review then when you when you get to it, Gareth. But I'm not going to be watching episode two. I'll leave it to you. Um, you can chat about it but um, <laughs> shall we move on to uh to tournament season talk some uh other tournament action we've uh, seen the last uh, week or so we had an extra night here jp so i'm hoping you're uh, you're fully caught up on g1 now um i assume not what have you seen as soon as we were stopped recording i've basically been watching zach saber jr i'm not gonna lie yes that's more or less Same. how my tournament is going because he appears to be having the most interesting matches there's other matches mm. i hear about which I do need to get around and watch. Um, but like that's kind of where it is for me. And I think I said that last time on the show. And then last night, I just got sucked into a squid game wormhole as soon as I found out we weren't recording. So that was like me done. And I've had to be fit in a couple of episodes tonight as well before we started recording. So for shame on my G on my G1 catch-up, which isn't happening <laughs> as much. But there's if you're following the app. And Gareth mentioned it last week about like the Ishii ratings, like before, and stuff that would have been, you know, it might have been up around 4.25, you know, that kind of regular, consistent, very good matches. There isn't as many of them. There's like one per show, is what it seems to be. And even then, not always yeah. that, that for that to be the case. 
So it, it, it's hard to get like kind of motivate to watch it. But like I say, I've watched Zach Taylor Jr. stuff. I mean, I think the last match I watched of his was one that happened um, over a week ago now, in the Great O'Khan match, which I think mm. is a great match to to kind of dive in and 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 catch up on. I mean, it's not amazing, but it's nice seeing Oka kind of tap into his amateur wrestling background and mm. and wrestle a different kind of match. I thought that was all kind of manner of good signs. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's where I am with it. I mean, yeah, I know you guys have got thoughts on the other Zack Sabre Jr. matches because I think oh. Benno, you're falling into that pattern as well. Yeah, I'm doing the same thing really with it. Like I'm literally using the app and kind of going, okay, what's okay, what's four stars or above? Okay, maybe there's no four star above. Okay, what's close to four stars? And then it's just turning out to be Zack Sabre Jr.'s tournament. It is like I basically did a a bit of a catch up the last few days or so, and it is just purely. Zack Sabre Jr. stuff for the most part. I watched him in Shingo, which I really enjoyed and gave um, four stars. I watched him in Kota Ibushi, which was a bit lower on, 3.75 stars. We can talk about mm. that. I don't know what's really going on with Kota Ibushi at the moment, but not finding him that interesting. Um, I did watch Kenta in Shingo, which was a non-Zack Sabre Jr. match, which I, I went 3.75 stars on. I watched that great Okan Zack Sabre Jr. match you mentioned, JP. I, I mean, I wouldn't go higher than three and a half on that myself, but I can see why people enjoyed it for what it was. It was just a, you know, a, the the novelty of seeing Great Okan go out there and try and do some technical wrestling with Zack Sabre Jr. in the in the middle of a card, which was a change of pace, to be honest, because all the Zack Sabre matches I'd seen to that point were yeah. pretty much the show enders. So, as you guys mentioned last week, you got the uh, the great Zack Sabre Jr. promos at the end of it, and he's kind of been carrying um, this entire block. So it was interesting to see him further down the card. But I'd share what you're saying, JP. He's absolutely been the lone highlight of of the bits i've done jumped in and out of i know again there are people out there saying things like you know tamatonga's having a, a tournament that's uh that's worth worth keeping an eye on um, and doing better than you would expect chase owens has even got like some fans out there you know chase owens who went over hiroshi tanahashi in 10 minutes or so apparently i haven't watched that refuse yeah, to watch that. Um, <laughs> yeah but like no, nah, that stuff doesn't appeal to me. I mean, if you if you're watching all of this stuff and you are enjoying that, fair enough. But it's it's the Zack Sabre Junior G one more than anything for me. I don't know if you're in the same boat, Dan. Yeah, I mean, I was talking last week about how you know I'd watched the first two days, and then after that, I'd just been like picking and choosing, and it had ended up just been watching Zack stuff. Came away this week there and thinking like, okay, I've got like five days to catch up on. Went through the app, looked at the lineups. Looked at the average ratings and I thought, you know what, there's not a great deal here really that I need to be spending a lot of time watching. So, you know, I, I, I'm the same. Day seven, literally only watched that Great Khan Zack Sabre match. Day nine, it was Zack against Ishii on, on day nine. Literally the only thing I watched from oh, that, was that show. I was just about to watch um, Kota Ibushi against Shingo before the show tonight. That was the only other match really from the last five days that it, it sort of jumped out really as one that I wanted to watch because I saw that Akada against Sonada had, the average on the app is like 4.13 but I was like I just don't think I can watch another Akada Sonada match you know is it does it go no. half an hour I was thinking Basically. I've just I was thinking I've just got no I've, I've just got no in, in, interest in that and you know I think for me it you know when you get to this stage where you, you're thinking you know if you're using your time wisely and just want to you know watch some good stuff 
basically it is, isn't it? Said it last week. It's just follow Zach's tournament at the end of the day because you are getting a little bit of diversity that comes through with the matches too, like that Great Okan match. I think that was the most interested I've ever been in the Great Okan ever. It was the first time that I've watched him and thought, oh, actually, maybe there is something here with this guy. And, um, you know, if he moves down this route a bit more, like, you know, it'd, I'd definitely be someone I'd be interested in watching a little bit more, but I just can't, you know, I can't see it going in that direction. You know, you get these, somebody's in there with Zach and then they end up working a certain style, but then they uh, they, they, they go back to the to the norm. But don't, uh, I just really enjoyed some of the stuff here. Like, I just really enjoyed after the, the technical opener when, like, Zach's, in, it, like, sort of inviting the strikes and then he just hits the Mongolian chop and then, like, Zach goes to goes to hit him, but then he can't, you know, he can't move his arm to hit him back because, you know, as they're, they're putting over, it was like, you know, whatever, his arm's numb from the Mongolian chop and stuff. I thought, I just thought that was a, that was a <laughs> cracking little spot there. I loved um, the, like, crucifix round the back submission that Great Ukam was doing while he had the claw on him at the same time. I just thought that was a cracking looking, you know, submission, the way that that was, uh, that was held in there. And then obviously, you know, Zach getting the, the finish with the, um, you know, the, you know, trapping the arm arm bar within that crucifix um, off a great account shoulders as well. I thought that was a really good finish as well. So I've got a touch higher than you, Benno. I've gone three point seven five on this one. It's 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 one that I uh, really enjoyed. And and again, I think that the Ishii match as well. It it just you know I've gone four stars on that. Like that one slightly more. Again, there was just some really good stuff here that I I enjoyed. I just loved. Um, you know, I loved. The, some of the striking battles that they they got into there and sort of like Zach almost like a little bit kind of like rope a dope with Ishii and you know luring him in and then getting that submission on him and the and the ropes and a lot of the work he was doing on the right arm and right hand there to sort of prevent Ishii from landing them strikes but then you know Ishii then just you know powering through stuff you know later on and it did very much kind of feel like that Zach's trying to play chess but he's in there with Ishii who's just going to you know be that pit bull kind of thing who's just going keep to coming and keep coming and keep coming even when he's you know even when his arms fucked up and things he's always just got that form of uh you know he's got that form of offense just using his body using his power and things i thought it was a it was a lovely little uh, match dynamic there between between yeah. them two as well great finish as well and and, and, and yeah. yeah yeah excellent excellent finish and and again i think it just showed that while zach's having a great tournament he's having a great tournament working some you know different styles along the way with different opponents as well and have been loving every loving every minute of uh loving every minute of this um yeah. Did, did you see both of them matches, JP? I'd seen the Ishii match and the Oka- and the and, and the Okan match, both those, and I completely agree um, with the Ishii match. I mean, the great thing about him is he plays the perfect spoiler. Like it always, it's like one of the things say with Chase Owens being Hiroshi Tanahashi that would bother me just reading it is you think, well, what's the purpose of this? Like, where does mm. this kind of lead? Is it there? So Tanahashi comes back on the final day, so he has to have that kind of loss. It's like, well, no, in reality, it's more likely to lead to a match between them. So you're just like, oh, great. Like, you're not you're not particularly excited about that at all. But at least with this, and, you know, it's a match that I've seen live at, at Rev Pro when um, when Zach beat him before. Um, mm. So, like, the dynamic is there. Like, he, you know, an Ishii match is an Ishii match. It's like, it's not perhaps the comfort blanket, and my fear is, is that he's not 
he's only able to turn this on a couple of times now because inevitably the wear and tear is getting to him. Yeah, you can see it. And maybe his selling's just like it's Ishii selling, isn't it? But like True, but... he is yeah, he is definitely like his his okay, movement yeah, is yeah. a little bit less. In a way, it adds to his character though, I feel like with Ishii. It kind of adds to like the match that he's like this kind of falling apart thing that you know the Zach's picking a body part in and you know, countering the the line at the end for the finish mm-hmm. and stuff like it, it kind of plays into what Ishii is. You know, uh, at this point in, in his career, like I kind of kind of like it, even if I am maybe a little bit concerned for the real man. But he's not going to win it, and this is almost the perfect year to go with like an Ishii, like to make that kind of really ballsy move and give him the like career defining win because, mm. but or like re- at least kind of like really push him into it, but. Hmm. He's still just playing spoiler, isn't he? And just gets these little moments, don't he? Yeah, yeah, he fights through and he beats Zach and stops his great run, and he'll do it somewhere else in the tournament, won't he? Ever since he beat Tanahashi, Mm -hmm. it's really been this is the same G1 role he's always kind of put into. Except Mm -hmm. when was Tanahashi? 2013, 2014? When he beat him, you know, we're talking kind of eight years ago, and God knows how many fucking brutal wars he's been through in that time. And we're going to really notice it when that con- constant, like, kind of top class Ishii that we had isn't there. And mm-hmm. there really isn't anyone there. Like, you know, the only person we've ever said that was kind of filled his shoes and has gone and surpassed it is Shingo. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think that's true. Yeah. Did you see uh, Kota Ibushi and Shingo, the, the main events that night? That was the night where I saw a lot of people talking this up as like the, the one to combo best, you know semi and main of the tournament so far I don't know, Abushi and Shingo just didn't grab me, uh, maybe it's just my malaise of, of, of this tournament or maybe it's just I don't know, seeing them do better in similar circumstances or I expect them to do better in, I don't know, it had, it had like some creative spots in there, you know, Shingo's one of the best in the world, Kota Abushi has been, had a bit of a weird year but can obviously turn it on in you know big moments like this but yeah, it just didn't really connect with me as a match like it was one of them where i was like i was about to give it four stars on the app and i was like am i just giving it four stars because of the two people that are in it like i felt that a little bit about the the ishi shingo match earlier in the tournament am i just doing it because i feel like i'm supposed to do it um yeah i just didn't love this as much as as everyone else seemed to on the timeline i don't know if you guys were any higher i haven't seen the yeah. No, you're not I, seeing that yet. I haven't uh, seen it. No. Yeah. I've seen like people go really, really high on it. You know, it's 4.35 average on the app. Would that be the highest rated match of the tournament so far? No, I'm just I'm just looking here actually at the top. You know, we're almost at the halfway points. In, well, we we are, aren't we? Just mm-hmm. just slightly over the halfway point. Like best matches so far in the tournament. Number one is that Shingo Ishii match on, on day one. That's mm-hmm. at like 4.59 average. Personally, I was four point two five on that. I wasn't as sold on that as the you know the I think I went four. wider audience on, on that one. Seconds the Tanahashi Okada match from day two, which is at like four point four four on the app. Again, I was four point two five on that. So a bit lower. Zach against Shingo's third at four point four three. That Ibushi Shingo match is the fourth highest rated so far at four point three five. And then no, after that, you've you've got. Naito Zach from day one, Nakada Sanada from is that today? That is fourth of October. Yeah, is that yeah? Um, no, it's not Zach, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Ishi Zach, Kota Ibushi Zach. So it is essentially, you know, when I look at that, 
I've, I've essentially watched all of them. Barbie, you know, if I get around to watching this, you know, Ibushi Shingo match that you're not necessarily you watch it. It was more of a like a. It felt like a bit of a best of. It's probably the best way of putting it. It was like I got all the big spots. I got a bit of creativity, but I don't know. It just felt lacking in some ways. You, my guys, might be different. It does yeah. seem like the average is higher than me. But I mean, apart from that. Looking at that, it's the Akada Sanada match that's on there that I'm definitely not watching at all. And then beyond that, everything else is like under four stars anyway, really. So once you've taken Zach and once you've taken the good stuff from the first two days, really, you've you've pretty much seen it all, to be honest. And, mm. and realistically, how much of this stuff is making it into our end of the year? Because we're in October now. You know, we're not far off the end going into 2022. Fucking hell, we are, aren't we? <laughs> and it, there's, a, there's a good chance that really there's nothing from this tournament that makes my top 10. Because hmm. I'm just thinking offhand that I've seen a lot of, there's been some, re, when there has been great stuff, there's been great stuff this year. And I'm thinking to myself just offhand, have I seen 10 matches better than what I've seen in the G1? And kind of, yeah. Like, they're really, you know, and, hmm. and that tells you where it is. This was like, used to be when it came to top 10 lists and that type of stuff this tournament dominated you'd expect to have four matches in there you know yeah. you're talking the high end like near five star stuff like real real quality and it's probably the clap crowds that's part of it that obviously the general feelings about new japan that we have as well but it, there is an element of kind of like a fatigue of these matchups there isn't for me. I think that's one of the other bigger things that this G one misses the novelty. Like we're a long way away from when they'd even think of bringing an outsider or going with a kind of wild card option, and they haven't done it this year. And that could be resulting in some of the crowds. It's mm. you know what's happening there as well. That even the stuff that you're talking about, like you know Ishi Shingo and the like, you know we have seen this before. This yeah, the first time that we've we've been there. And that's the heart, and that's why you end up picking and choosing matches, and, and you kind of find yourself going, I, I don't know, maybe just me, just going, yeah, that's good, but I don't know how memorable that is. It was like a or good essential in a tournament. Yeah, I don't watch it and think, oh, I'm glad I saw that. I think I could, yeah. I could have missed that. I couldn't watch none of this, and I'd be fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. That is our feel issue. Yeah, I'm, I'm using the filter here on the app just to see what my own like rating, you know, for the year are so far. And literally, I've got one G1 match in my top 13 on the app. And that is just like, so at the mid-stage of the G1, that's just like, no way that's ever happened before. <laughs> I would have only have had one yeah. G1 match in my in, in my top, you know. I say that's a top 13 as well. I haven't even got one in my top 10 from the G1. That's That that would just never have, at, at, this, at this stage, wouldn't have happened before. And, and there's even stuff that's not on the app here, the old... Uh, Old Brady Phillips, Tom Thelwell, will be going in there ahead of uh, some of these G1 matches as, uh, from Tyler. Tyler going on the app, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be drawing yeah. on that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some Aussie graphs are going to go on there soon. Though, exactly. But yeah, that's, that is the G1 this year. And I like, it felt like, again, the people who were raving about those opening two days have gone a bit quiet now. Like I say, there's still a lot of people out there who are doing the grind and watching everything and trying to find a little bit of joy in a Tangaloa match there and a Chase Owens match here. But yeah, it is, you know, it says everything. I think, you know, I heard um, Lanza on Voice of Wrestling talk about like the, the buzz in the Western world for New Japan right now and a lot of that as well being linked to the fact that, you know, you can't even see gifts on Twitter. You can't even, you know, you can't even post a still image of the New Japan show. 
are they oh. changing their attitude to it? Because it appears to be they've unblocked a lot of people. Have they? Like that. That'd be so good. Oh, yeah, because they were blocking people on the New Japan World uh, Twitter account, really. Like, what a fucking business plan. Block your potential customers. Like, what? Nah, think of think of how much stuff that it was built with them as well through Twitter. When you think of like just yeah. gifts and things over the years, like the uh, you That's know why the, I watch it. The, the, the holding of the wrists and things like that. That was something yeah. that you just see like all over Twitter when you had the the Kotoribushi Osprey where it was like the out of the corner and then that that shot from like over the shoulder. You know the look behind and things like that. Just so many just like little clips there that you just did the rounds so heavily and then obviously. Hundreds of other stuff, you know, them two just been examples that spring to mind. So much stuff just there that just placed it in your consciousness continuously and just had people talking about it. It's just like it's so self-defeating to to, yeah. to do it. Unbelievable. And even if it is a TV Asahi decision, it, it, it's still dumb. It doesn't make it any cleverer. It's mm. like what you piss off your most hardcore fans who go out of their time, to out of their way to gif live wrestling of your show to promote it to other people to large amounts of followers worldwide to various people who are like nope don't want any part of that at a time when your business is down and you're having to run endless shows in order to to like maintain your own self-imposed targets it's, it's yeah like they need to fucking wise up i don't know if this is all to do with harold leaving but it's part of that whole business decision strategy where you're going you never used to fuck up like this before but mm. yeah. perfect storm of shit isn't it yeah it is but yeah and I don't expect any of us are going to watch um, Tallahassee Chase Owens are we so yeah you're not getting no. that review anytime it's <laughs> anyone but talking of um, imagine it in your head culture. and that'll be better and quicker probably just imagine yeah. it with some bullshit finish I haven't seen it so, oh, yeah, I don't want to imagine Chase Owens though yeah there we go <laughs> Don't want him in You've the, seen head, the match. you know. Yeah, yeah, it's depressing. Um, but yeah, I was going to say, Terrible speaking of knowledge. Japanese wrestling promotions, <laughs> that's him. <laughs> um, we've got some, um, you know, a proper Japanese wrestling promotion to talk about now. Um, some Noah lads, so you know, the end one. I assume that, that that was, the, I think it was a rouge yesterday. Gareth hacked Streamyard and took them down, so we'd have to like, an extra day to uh, to catch up on N one, so we would have to lead with. Me being the one who'd seen the M1 final, um, I like a good final, lads. You know, did it with Stardom last week as well. Uh, I have seen that. I parachuted in and watched the uh, majority of the uh, the final day. But yeah, I know you've been uh, been doing a bit of a, a catch up, Gareth. So uh, that was your baby. I'll let you leave, Nick. What have you been watching? Well, I mean, from that final show, um, I mean, I just ended up watching the two semis and the and, and the main event uh, with that. Did you, did you just watch the final, Ben, or did you watch the? The semis as well. I watched the opener, I watched the two semis, and then I was like, fuck this and skip to the fan. Yeah, <laughs> Good shout, really. <laughs> I, I was I saw Muta was coming out, I was like, yep, done. Okay, cool, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, I, I just thought it just got off to that first semi, just really just got things off to just a, a great start and, and even straight in the match as well, where you had like you know, obviously it was Keno against Keo Kiyomiya and yeah, Kiyomiya in this tournament pretty much every match so far. He's been absolutely dominated and he's, he's you know, stole a win at the end and hear him just coming out 100 mile an hour, went for that immediate high cross body in German for a near fall and it was uh, it was just 
and it was logical. It was it was logical that he would do that because of how much he'd been under the pump in all his previous sense in his previous matches, and it just kind of just you know come out to try and take that win, take that win, and you know. But I mean, this, this match itself, you know, I get I gave it three point seven five, and it it just really just set set the day up for me. Like I, I think it was uh, it was just. Kind of was what you come to expect, really, from from what I've been watching of of Noah over this period. Just like nice, fast paced, hard hitting, you know, back and forward stuff. You know, aggressive working of holds, aggressive working of body parts. Everything that I you know love about that you know that side of things from from wrestling, and then you know an element of probably unpredictability as well when I was watching it. And then, you know, the, I was, probably, I, I was probably leaning towards Kiamir and then expecting that he was going to win. And then it was a, you know, it was a surprise ending. It felt like it was a surprise ending for the, for the crowd. But again, they, they really got into it um, for me. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I've, you know, pointed out so far on this tournament is while there has been some long matches and, uh, and some draws, Loads of the matches have just been so accessible and easy. This was 12 minutes, and it, it was, but it felt epic in its 12 minutes as well. You know, in the way in, in the way that it was delivered, and you know, again, top top stuff. It was just one of those where you know you you, you pick out. We talk about Noah, and we talk about like the old lads who get you know put in these positions of prominence, and they have some you know some of them are having good matches, some of them are having awful matches. But you've got this five or six lads who can really go who are almost like the core of the company and you know what it should be built around and things like that and obviously these been two of them like what a banger lovely 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 start and speaking of bangers uh keno's theme is such a banger as well that if it's not opening or closing this show today i'll be very disappointed <laughs> noted um no i i i did i did enjoy that i went three and a half on it i'm like i wouldn't go higher than that but I like that, like you said, didn't outstay its welcome. And what I really loved about it, to be honest, was and what got, kind of got me into the closing sequence was how much the crowd got into it, like and how much the crowd were buying, like on the near falls. And I know it was, you know, still akin to a, a clap crowd, but it kind of felt the the closest, you know, to a a real crowd as you you kind of can. Um, and yeah, I, I really I really liked it. It was stiff in all the right places. I am I have got a soft spot for uh, for Kato Kimir, as uh, the listeners to the wheel transfer window uh, will know. And um, he's one of the uh, the many men who. Yeah, you would hope would uh, get handled a, a little bit better, but yeah, um, Keno is you know also very very good. So yeah, I enjoyed it. It was a good way to to kind of pique my interest a little bit and made me think. Make kind of be again the crowd being so into it kind of woke me up and I said, like, okay, this is cool. And like I actually didn't know what the final was. It got me invested in seeing you know who Keno was going to face in the final. And yeah, it was the perfect way to to start and uh, and get the car going after a, a rough six months. I didn't even though I didn't watch that six man, mate. Uh, uh, I think Kendall Cashin, mate. I've always got a soft spot for him. <laughs> you he always goes on my telly, mate. Him and his uh, camo plants. <laughs> you hate watching as well. It's, it's a fascinating <laughs> little subplot to it all when I do see him appear because I always end up thinking of you. Like it's a bizarre thing whenever Kendo Cashin turns up. Gen- um, it's worth it though, because I like I, I I find I feel like when I parachute into these Noah shows, especially with English commentary, mm-hmm. like I will always put it on from the start because I do think 
you know, the, the lads do a good job from the start of yeah. like kind of bend you. It's a bit like it's the Kevin Kelly thing, isn't it? Like he'll use the opener to kind of give you a little bit of background and stuff, or like the minutes mm-hmm. before the opener to kind of, you know, let you know what you're in for uh, in the night and stuff. So it's a nice way to ease into the show, despite the, the wrestling that's happening in front of you. That's it at times. That's the only thing I really feel for the commentators. It's like mm. some of this work needs to be better. But that's like the kind of mid-card of the show, which really is. Mm. I mean, I have to say, I like I I really enjoyed Nakajima versus Masakatsu Fanaki, who, you know, we talk about old lads who can go. <laughs> He's an old it lad. Is who orange can go. <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's like, UWF guy. I was just look, I was looking at his cage match and, and, and stuff like that and just sort of yeah. Or, orange pants be damned. Like you know, he looks like not, the type of fella you'd be an holiday round at round the pool and he turn around in like a thong, yeah. like a bright orange thong, and just sit next oh, to you at the pool would. and just be like, mate, put some clothes on, will you? <laughs> <laughs> That's what he looks like. <laughs> Seventy old fella on holidays. Yeah, but he's ripped. And you, you're like, why are you so ripped? Why are you making me look bad? And you're like, sooty yeah. and wrinkly. What the fuck? He looks like a kind <laughs> of like going like to like one of those holidays to like hedonism and stuff like that. Caribbean <laughs> or something. Yeah, that kind of <laughs> on the pull. Yeah, granddad's on tour. <laughs> then he comes back, does a bit of shit kicking, and then off he goes again. <laughs> Uh, the shit kicker was fun though. I enjoyed it. Like it was. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, we're going to get into the hard hitting nature of the main event, but like this was almost as much so, wasn't it? Kind of set the tone. Yeah. Short. I mean, I've got down on on here. Just, I, I just loved. It's just like that entire credibility that Funaki gave all of the groundwork and everything else. Because, like I said before, UWF guy, sort of like trained shoot fire and the rest. But it was. When it got vicious, it got fucking vicious again. Oh. And we're going to talk about viciousness in particular with the with the main event as well. But this was just like a kind of wake-up call for it as well. And, like, when he did the vertical spike on him, like, for those extra few seconds as well, it was like, mm. I, I was... Uh, we're going we're gonna to wax lyrical, I imagine, about sort of um, Katsuhiko Nakajima. But, like, I loved this. And this is like the best when you use when they've got these fifty-year-olds because it's a weird thing. I talk about fifty-year-old wrestlers. I feel like every single week there are some fucking great fifty-year-old wrestlers out there who can add mm. stuff to it. And I remember seeing um, Fanaki face Keno, wasn't it? Uh-huh. That wasn't that long ago, yeah. and that was a fucking cracking ten-minute shit-kicking match as well. Yeah. And this was exactly the same. And it's like that's the stuff about modern-day Noah. That is really fucking fun when they do that, when you can put out a Masato Tanaka and the rest. And yeah, I really enjoyed this. I mean, I went like four stars on it. Um, I've not gone, gone completely fucking. I went three and a half, to be honest. Maybe I should have gone yeah. higher than the, because I did like it more than the other one. So maybe 3.75 mm-hmm. would be more realistic. I don't know, but I, I, is that his role? And like, you know, Obviously, I listen when you talk about Noah all the time, JP. But um, you know, for for Nak, I kind of like I felt like he put him over strong, like because he came in and I was like, here comes this suntan granddad, and the commentary is like filling me in with the fact that he what was undefeated in his group, and I was like, yep, sounds like Noah. And then he came in, he put in, he put in a decent shift, he put over Nakajima strong. Don't know what more you could really ask of the lads, you know. I, I kind of uh, came away with a bit of a soft spot for him. Yeah, I mean, he he's a freelancer. So like they only wheel him in and out for the for the kind of big matches and the rest of it. But he did. He he 
like he appears to be one of those more reasonable ones as opposed to like Vegeta, who's just a prick and never puts anyone over properly. Like like with this, it did feel like it was it was it, it felt like putting him over strong here as well. Mm. But kind of as he should do. That's kind of what mm. his role should be. There shouldn't like be really a debate about it at that point in time. But mm. it, it you know, I have to say you're not seeing this kind of match in, in the G one. That was oh, one of my true. thoughts when I'm watching I take it. it yeah. yeah. We're not seeing a ten minute all action mm. shit kicking match. And these two semis provided stuff that I've not seen in the, you know, what might be a combined like three hours of wrestling from the G1 that I've seen, where a lot of it feels like it's, we, we're going through kind of very predictable kind of starts and everything else. For no other reason, I'd recommend watching these two because it, it just sets the tone mm. uh, for like, particularly for what you're going to get for the main event. And they're, these are the matches they had to deliver on above everything else is give or take filler, isn't it? With some mm. crowd favourites to throw out there, but like the stuff that needs to deliver for Noah delivered. Yeah, I think, a, I think a good one with that that match though as well was it was that change of pace from the first match as well. In that mm. just at the start, it just been that sort of like slower, more technical kind of considered style initially. You know, as they were always like keeping that distance between Nakajima and Fanaki, and then. You know, eventually, like trading, you know, kicks and strikes, and Fanaki's working for that armbar. But then, it then finishing so quickly and so decisively at the end. I think that's it. again, that's one of the things that I I enjoy a lot about Noah is that that you will get these real, just kind of like decisive, almost out of nowhere finishes kind of thing that you, mm-hmm. you, you've almost been. You've almost been trained by New Japan to expect that things are going to go longer and there's going to be more kickouts and things like that. But that you know, something happens and somebody gets pinned, and it's like, yeah, that's entirely logical and entirely reasonable, and it kind of almost fits the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the MMA style, you know, crossover where you have got somebody working with like this. Because I know, you know, Funaki, you know, he beat, you know, Nasa um, Kitamir in the in, in the group stage again, you know, in a very very short match that was suddenly finished like quite quickly and quite decisively. And, you know, you think for, for this guy with his style and then him been, you know, presented as obviously that, that older fella, he's got the experience to win quick or he's got the, you know, he's got the miles on the clock to lose quick as well, kind of thing. If things don't go, don't, don't go his way. And I think it's quite a nice presentation that they, um, they, they, they put forward, uh, put forward with that. But I mean, obviously, you know, you talk about the, the style and you know your sort of reference there just getting into the the final and you know the Keno and Nakajima and like this is a match I've you know I went four and a half on this one it was uh, it was something that I you know really 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 enjoyed you know and essentially you know you can break things down into all the different parts and all the different sections and things like that but it was essentially wasn't it just for the best 20 best part of 20 minutes it was just two lads knocking the living shit out of each other with kicks and slaps and strikes and it just looked as brutal as fuck and you were just there with them for the ride all the way where you know it was uh excellent you know excellent stuff and even where you had the things like the whole like for like nature stuff where you know where Nakajima's doing them like feet to the face in the corner and giving it the cocky look down the camera and then like Keno just turns it around and does exactly the same to him and then one of them lands a German and then the other lands a German and then obviously you're in those almost like mirror image strike exchanges where they're just kicking the shit oh. out of each other next later on they're like slapping the fuck out of each other it just you know just 
brutal, brutal stuff, and oh, loved every second of it. What a what a fucking match this was. What did you think of the finish? Like, I, I, I kind of I went four point two five on it. I kind of liked the fact that it was like they beat the shit out of each other and beat the shit out of each other, and it was just like it felt a little bit anticlimactic. But I was like, no, he's dead here. I'm just going to be finished, and it's done, this, and it's over. This is what yeah. I, I, it's one of the things I like about with with Noah is 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 the finishes. They've they've mm. been to war. There, there doesn't need there, there shouldn't be like there almost shouldn't mm. be eight kickouts and I should kicks that hard and things. Yeah, at the end, it's like he's done and he's pinned, and that's great. <laughs> Dude, mm. This if if this match had dragged for another. I don't know, five minutes. So, you know, this was mm. 20 minutes. If it had gone another five or another eight or something like that, as it might have done in New Japan to build to some crescendo finish, it might have been worse for it, you know, mm. to be, to be honest. It made, it made you feel like you'd, you'd gone too far. That, again, that quick, decisive nature of the finish is something that I, that, that I love mm. about Noah. It's like it was beat and it's just done. Like, it's done. Yeah, I mean, it was part of me kind of going, oh, it's a final, so, you know, maybe one kick out and then we go to something else. But the fact that it was different did make it stand out. The fact that it was kind of like, the match felt like punctuated. Like, it was just like, no, sharp, sharp, and over, you know? Like, you can't say it didn't work, JP. Yeah, exactly. I mean, on my notes, I've just written, crowd was shocked on the finish, but I don't know if that's a bad thing. Because I think for them, mm. they'd look at it and go, do you know what? This is like, it makes you feel like anything can happen on these shows and you need to pay attention for it. And we don't, we don't get that enough over here because we've fallen into the kind of lot of the tropes of wrestling. So it's refreshing when you don't see that. And as Gareth says, it's the idea of it being a war and Mm. the way that it's kind of delivered and the fact that you have the Congo backstory and and the rest of it with them as well. And I I love the post-match stuff can I say as well, like the fact that they, they just sort of sat down and there was that kind of mutual respect and they went away. They didn't need to play it towards an angle, uh, an angle between them because it, it kind of works because they're similar kind of characters within Noah. And obviously they coexist in this faction, but it didn't like, if you'd had any kind of like overly dramatic thing that would have happened afterwards, tonally, it, I just don't think it would have worked. Like that's, and if Noah are doing this kind of presentation, and I mentioned like about like kind of preparing your audience for these kind of things, for these kind of quick, decisive finishes and the rest of it. Then in many ways, like in order to get more of, I think they kind of have to go against what New Japan are doing, offer mm. Japanese audiences stuff that you're not getting from New Japan, where it doesn't feel like your ass is going to necessarily numb into the sea. New uh, Japan haven't had it since what? Shibata retired? Like yeah. who, who's doing matches like this in New Japan? Oh yeah, maybe each every now and then, like as far as hard hitting goes, but not in this way. And it's no coincidence that the match that they were building to, and they never ended up doing, was Nakajima and um, Shibata as a big kind of Noah versus New Japan feud. Yeah, I suppose they got the ghost of Kenta there. Maybe they could do some more stuff like that with him, lean into that with him. But yeah, yeah, that's it. They, can't, I mean, I think we we said it before and. You know who picked it up in uh, when you did the world draft, but Nakajima is someone like maybe Jamesy. Yeah, like he is. I, I just think he's fucking brilliant. Oh, and he's um, still only thirty three. He's an eighteen he? year he's veteran. Older, isn't he's wrestling at fifteen. You know, there's. I, I've, I've been sent a, a playlist by Alan Farrell of, mm. of Nakajima stuff that I'm just gonna get on one of the days because, like. This guy 
is he's just fucking phenomenal and mm-hmm. he doesn't have to say anything and it's weird his changing hairstyles appear to like make him weirdly more charismatic and that's a fucking feat because I've seen him have like he's been bald he's had long curly hair now he's got bleached blonde hair and each time he's still like kind of I don't know the, the whole act and presentation just kind of works his facials is so good oh. like the, the little uh, the, like the because he has that cocky look that he pulls kind of thing that but then he's also got that kind of like evil look that he pulls is like he's is just brimming with charisma isn't he is like yeah. just naturally just draws you in like what a what a fucking great act he is like it is you know, easily top five, re- top five favorite wrestlers right now for me. I was delighted to see him just end this and uh, end, end this tournament in this way, especially after like losing that hair match earlier in the year and mm. things. You wondered what the direction was for him, you know, going forward. But then he's almost, you know, ended. You know, he's ended up up, and Masakitmi has ended up down on the back of uh, you know on the back of that feud. And then so you wonder if them. Uh, they're now going to kind of probably bleed into each other again in the in the future on the back of that tournament that um, that Kitami has Kitami has had there. But one one spot that I just have to highlight that I absolutely fucking loved was where uh, Keno had the ankle lock um, submission on him. Yeah, and then he lifted him and then just wellied him in the stomach. I was just like, like I was yeah, like, how loud. That was like amazing. I was like, that is brilliant. He just just lifted him straight up and then just booed him straight in the stomach. I was just like, oh, amazing. I laughed so loud at that. I was looking for a gif to post on Twitter of it and I couldn't find one. I could only find where he'd apparently done the spot before, but I couldn't find one from the because honestly, I just pissed myself laughing. I was like, yep, that's what this match needed. Just brilliant. Like, (laughs) what what did you go on in the end? Because I went went four points. Yeah, I went four point two five. I had, which is a high rating for me on a no match. I really liked it. I liked that. I didn't, you know, as much as like I don't know whether I'm a fully agreement of like the the finish. I might have taken a little bit more. What I did like about it though was that it was a match that could have ended at any point. Like it did feel like, you know, you know, any kick at any moment or any of those hard hits could have ended the match. And I think you know, doing a finish like they did, I suppose, sells that as well. But yeah, I went four point two five. I did. Really, really like it. I mean, there's definitely five stars on the app, isn't there? Um, mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. you guys, four and a half is definitely not a not low. Yeah, I mean, we say we've both gone four and a half. It's averaging at four point four seven on the app, so essentially it's mm-hmm. averaging out at four and a half. You know, did see a few fives, did see a few fives uh, flying in there for various people as well. And like you know, when you look at we were just having that discussion about the G1 and matches that are going in your top 10 matches of the year. This is one that's in my brain now has been, this is, you know, this is one that I'll be looking to rewatch. It's going to be one that's going to be right up there in my list come the end of the year. And it's standing out more clearly than anything that was, uh, that I've seen in that G1 so far. And yeah. plus it was the one that I was most excited about. You know, it's probably the match that it, when it got to that point after them two semis, I could not wait for, for this final. I was thinking yeah. that genuine, you know, that genuine excitement that comes along with it rather than it, you know, feeling like um, something that's a bit stale or something that you kind of know what the outcome's going to be and things like that. Just like genuinely excited for this. 
Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. thinking about it and like thinking, you're right, you end the year time. Am I going to think about Shingo and Ishii? Am I going to think of anything else? I happen to give, say, 4.25 stars in the, in the, in the G1. I'm not going to remember any of it. I will remember this. This will stick in my mind's eye and will be mm-hmm. something that, like, even if it doesn't make my 10, it's going to be a consideration. So, yeah, that says something too. It, it's just what you hope from here. You see the potential of what Noah could be at this point with some of Problem is it won't be me. Exactly. <laughs> so I've, I've, the right, last thing my notes is obviously he's challenging Marafuji next week. Match I'm looking forward to where he'll no doubt lose. <laughs> and you'll go, yeah. And I don't know, Marafuji will lose it to Segura because why not? And I don't mind, I'm, I'm you know, really good wrestler, but it's just like, yeah, it's a bit young though, isn't he? He can't be can't be doing crazy things like giving it to a thirty three year old. One of one of the points I just wanted to raise as well about this end one as well has just been the um, just the lack of bullshit. Well, certainly in the matches that I've seen, just no no bollocks, no interference, no fucking shite ref bumps and things like that. And you know, it's again, I haven't watched enough of the G one to see if that kind of shit has been going on with Bullet Club and things like that. But it's certainly one of the things that's Not so fatigued me with fatigued me with some of them other matches in previous years in the in the G one. And it's just been nice to just watch these matches and just be like, it's you know, the none of that shit kind of thing, and and having those, you know, let us say. Actual matches and decisive finishes. It's been a definitely a definitely something that's been a, enjoyable for me. Yeah, yeah. But like I say, it is a it's the follow up in a JP. So we will see see um, if I uh, dive in again. But no, like I, I'm glad I am glad I watched the final. If anyone's on the fence about watching it, even if you just watch the final itself, you'll get a, an idea. You know what we're talking about, and yeah, more worthwhile than anything going on in the uh, in the G1 this year. That is a Certainly, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, m- moving on, um, actually kind of sticking with Japan a little bit. Um, one other thing uh, me and you both watched, JP, this week, uh, Dark Side of the Ring, um, mm. with Onita's FMW. <laughs> I know you're a, you're a fan of FMW law. What did you what did you make of uh, of this episode? It felt a bit like a filler episode to me. Uh, I wasn't as big into it like a FNW as mm. as uh, my deathmatch Richard uh, nickname uh, might uh, might suggest but I was certainly aware of the the lore of uh, of Onita and certainly had a few of his matches on it uh, on tape back when I was doing a little mini tape training yeah. in my teenage years um, and we all kind of know the stories they kind of cover basically it's a it's an Onita retrospective isn't it more as much as it is FMW and there's uh, certainly some uh, entertainment value to be had just uh, following his uh, his wacky adventures yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, there's fun to be had there. I mean, I think it's one of these ones where there's very consequential things that happen and that you hear about, and it in fact, is kind of a lot darker than than you you realise. Even though I've read some of the book from that guy Arai, who ends up mm-hmm. killing himself, who was the owner after Anita, but you mentioned tape trading, like FM, like the first stuff I bought was like it was there was a lot of fmw comps and, and the rest of it that you could get and it was that kind of stuff because it's it's legend and I, what i enjoyed about this episode is there'll be a lot of stuff that a lot of people won't really know um i think it's great seeing terry funk like after all of the stories like just hearing him like being able to you know talk and recount it because obviously what's that recent footage they would have done it probably pre it would have been pre because we had him on death door and he seemed pretty well 
I think this might have been about a year ago. If you think right. that this whole series is split into two, mm. it's whether or not that that's the case. But I thought Terry, it was nice like, to see either way. It was nice to see exactly and Mick Foley, but mm. there's a lot of stuff like around Anita who is presented more in a like warts and all type way, and he's like kind of very much Anita the character, and so you learn mm. like how he discovers FMW, but then it it just takes some very like the point where it's just basically they're just saying well he's nicking all the money yeah and how he gets the other guy all right to basically take over all the debts to the point where he ends up killing himself and mm. that doesn't resolve his family of the debt so his daughter's mm. there talking about that as well and you're like like what the fuck like mm. it's it's that and yeah there, there's and anita is just like blase lighting a cigarette talking about the whole thing Mm. as well and yeah. they go into the yakuza stuff mm. and about the fact that like they controlled the building so for me there was a lot of stuff here that i really found very interesting and mm. like it, it's for me it's like one of those ones that might be like a collision in career in some ways yeah in the sense that it's not it doesn't feel like the most consequential story in the world necessarily but it's really it's interesting and there's a yeah. stuff that you don't really know and you hear about. And hearing Foley tell stories of, like, there's the Yakuza who are sponsoring the, the shows and he's having to have dinner with them. And it's just like, this is how the game is played here. And yeah. they kind of... Uh, and they try and kill Sabu. Oh, yeah. And then Mike, Mike Awesome runs out. Sorry, Gareth. Completely... I don't know if we are spoiling it. It probably sounds fucking great. Yeah, no, yeah. You're not spoiling it. You're selling it. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Mike we have also got some listeners Yakuza. listening to us, JP. So we probably, you know, well, <laughs> it's not just Gareth. That's true. <laughs> but no, yes, like, oh, I thought we were just having, I thought we were just having a chat. Yeah. <laughs> um, I completely forgot. <laughs> Sorry, Gareth, for the uh, yeah the spoilers. Uh, but yeah, no, the, that stuff I did really enjoy. Like, I enjoyed um, like hearing that story of like Sabu. Almost being cancelled for real um, back in the uh, in the nineties, and let you say Mike Awesome be the one to save him, and Sabu kind of being like, "Yeah, I loved him ever since that day. <laughs> like, he basically saved me from a certain death with the uh, with the Yakuza." And I thought um, stuff with the Sheik as well, but like that, um, I'd oh. never, I've never seen that um, proper. This is a like you say Inferno match in WWE, and it's some knobhead like ten and like like a gas oven and he's like turning the, the flames up and down like it's absolutely shite isn't it we all remember as a kid being, being excited well I used to was being excited oh dude you're gonna they're gonna do a I fucking inferno the match the yeah and then the, the flame was like an it like you know a foot high if a foot and it was just crap but it's like kennel from hell it was just yeah Kate, like you say Kane's prosthetic arm was on fire and he ran off this was the real deal like the fucking the, the ropes were on fire and like the sheep probably was gonna die like he was like they're telling the story casually and everyone else in the match is like yeah and i rolled out when i realized this was going too far and then like for some reason the sheik just stayed in the ring to the point where there was no real escape and he ended up having to like burn what was like 60 70 percent of his body or something like that to get out and escape and then still finish the fucking match so everyone who talks about the undertaker like he's a hero for getting burned by his pyro you know what i mean it's like nothing compared to the the fucking original sheet going out there and being doused with water and continuing to to fight in this tag match that was one of the the bad bad onita ideas i mean there's definitely some wacky ones yeah. but you know the the stuff in water and all of the other weird things like fights in houses and 
where oh, oh, some of that stuff like it was a take traders team back in the day wasn't it jp though like yeah. it definitely like it was definitely like okay i've got to watch this they have, they have what they have a street fight in a real house okay i gotta buy this like that was that was the appeal and he kind of understood that it was kind of meme before meme wrestling wasn't it like some of any yeah. stuff just with just for some with real life consequences and possibility of death yeah, it's it's memeable content, but with that wacky Japanese game show torture vibe to it, isn't it? Where you just add mm. a bit of extremeness to it. Mm. Um, it's like he's it's like in some ways he's thinking I can go full Squid Game here. Some people will mm. get a reference. That's obviously why. But <laughs> it, it, it's it, like it, it's one of these things. Like no, Arm Anderson is going to be the title. You're not getting Squid Game no, in. I know that's you're fine. Trying. That's fine. No, no. <laughs> I mean, all I'm doing then is promoting a show for Netflix, which is something I think I'll happily do. Um, what was I going to say? Patreon I would say, me. like, the Hayabusa stuff, mm. the injury makes me deeply uncomfortable seeing that again, of all, like, kind of yes. horrible wrestling injuries. That one is it's one of the ones that kind of haunts me when I think of, like, yeah. the really bad wrestling injuries. That one sticks with me because it's absolutely, like fucking horrific what happens to him and then they interview his daughter and 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 everything else and yeah you 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 kind of realize like, the stories with yeah i know it, it, it there's a lot of tragedy around fmw so mm. when you move past the meme stuff there's just like between hayabusa's daughter and arai's mm. daughter sort of telling their stories um it felt like a kind of very warts and all Presentation yeah, of this. so I'm rambling. Yeah, that, the, the higher booster like clip, like that's one of the very first things that you know, we were talking in the pre-show about early internet. It's one of the first clips I think I remember seeing for, for good or bad, and just being like, "Fucking hell, that really happened to the wrestling ring." I don't assume everyone listening's seen it, but he's going for basically a line salt, isn't he? And does land on his head and ended his career almost his life, and he was in a wheelchair for the for the rest of his life. Yeah, forehead more than anything. Yeah, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And and you know, Hayabusa was somebody who like he was kind of mythical, wasn't he? In those days, as like this this oh, superhero type. So yeah, it's a real it's a real tragedy. But yeah, you're right. That that, that was kind of the dark side of it, wasn't it? There's the kind of like Anita as a meme, and you know Moxley doing his impression of him and stuff. But you know the accuser side, like you say, the fellow whose money basically robbed only to kind of tries to like defend himself of being like oh he kind of he pushes everything off I was like yeah my ego just got too big that's his simplistic explanation yeah. to, to everything that went wrong but well, four yeah, bedroom definitely. house and five cars yeah and this other yeah. fucker's like mortgaged his house to keep FMW alive He'd be done for fraud these days, wouldn't he? It yeah. was uh, it, it was pretty 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 dark that stuff. But yeah, an interesting watch. If you, I think you're right, JP, an inessential episode though. In like you know, it wasn't like like it's not like it's a weighty story or a big controversy in wrestling history or anything. But still a worthwhile watching. Uh, what's the next episode? I think it's the Johnny Canine episode, and he, I don't know anything about this guy, and I haven't tried looking for. I don't even him. know who that is. Who's that? Well. The, the thing is, we, we don't know who he is, which suggests that he must be some kind of mad loop. So, in which mm. case, I kind of don't want to know anything. I, maybe is this the one from... Cornet, Cornet suggested this to yeah. me, I think, to the, yeah. to the Dark Side of the Ring people. So I want like, to say it's... Like his bombs, Bedlam, and Johnny K9. Yeah, that's the next episode. And... Uh, the subject is Ion Kroiteru, who on Wikipedia, it's a Canadian professional wrestler known as Johnny K9. Apparently, jobs in the WWF. 
did some New Japan, did some Smoky Mountain, which explained he was yeah, you like this, JP. He was his wiki says, known for his legal problems, was a member of Satan's Choice, a biker gang, convicted of assault, trafficking cocaine, and bombing a police station. In 2005, <laughs> he was arrested for the murder of a lawyer Lynn Gilbank and her husband Fred, and the charge were dropped due to insufficient evidence. He worked as a security guard until being arrested in May 2009 for conspiracy to murder whoever the Bacon brothers are. Um, and then, yeah, somebody was killed. Oh, I hope they arrive. tag team, whoever the Bacon brothers are. Pled guilty for Kevin that. Bacon and whoever Kevin Bacon's brother is, in which case that's... <laughs> they should be back, arrested. Back, back in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Canadian show. No, there's an um one of them smokes the wiki- <laughs> on his Wikipedia page, his um murder accusation segment is bigger than his wrestling career segment. So that probably right. tells you something about who we're, we're dealing with here. Uh, but yeah. It kind of sounds like the plot of the film Stone Cold with Brian Bosworth as well. I think mm. that involves like a biker gang and they take over a courthouse, if I remember rightly. Have you not seen that? No, I haven't. It's uh, it's it's got Lance Henriksen in it as well. Mm. Tom I was going to say, I think I've probably seen this thirty years ago or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, like, oh. and there's a thirty for thirty about the boss as well. That's very interesting. Anyway, not to get entirely sidetracked, but it does sound like that. I mean, Satan's choice, Satanist biker gang. That sounds a bit like Cobra in mm. some ways. So, like, there's a lot of stuff here that I'm thinking is it's ticking boxes that's absolutely nothing to do with wrestling. This sounds Are like he, he slipped through the net for your EWR game here. Uh, <laughs> this is like a, this is like, champion. This is like a scouting mission for you. <laughs> oh, this this lad's in the Hall of Fame. When, you know, when you the statue. When you the four pillars of problematic pro wrestling. I think this this guy's in there with a possible shout. Let's see how it goes next week. Um, do you know what's oh, following it as well next week? Oh, go on. MLW Fightland. This is the leading. Oh, fucking hell. There you go, everyone. Look forward to that. You get your Dark Side of the Ring review. And I suppose we'll watch Fightland. We'll, 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 one week only, shall we, um, shall we humour him, Gareth, so we uh, both catch up with some MLW. Uh, we better add. Keep him happy. Big, big show, innit? Big show. Why not? Yeah. Still don't know where to watch it. Biggest Hopefully, Corp will do a press release and tell me. Send it to me don't, personally. Don't you lads worry about where you go. will do 20, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go um, but yeah there was one other thing uh, we watched this week and of course it belongs last on the show um, Gareth you watched some progress this week you were teasing in the, uh, in the pre-show and you were teasing us you watched one match can the listeners guess what, what, what match it was yeah this is the first progress I've watched since chapter 99 so it's the first uh, triple. It's the first anything since then that I've watched. Didn't even watch chapter one hundred, but it was. Um, you know, I've said on this. I've been a big Alexis Falcon, uh, Lizzie Evo or Lizzie Evo as she was pronounced here. I'll still go with the TNT ring announcers Evo uh, pronunciation for her. But this year, just been a match that I'd seen these two have. You know, twice this year and just really enjoyed. I thought oh, I've got to see how they present this on Progress TV and. So it was my first experience of watching progress in this crowdless environment. Oh, we should have with this. And with the, with the new, um, with the new, I don't know, production with um, what's he called, Roy Johnson doing the um, doing the in ring stuff as well. And God, this How is he? he'd have been working four days straight. I'm assuming at this point in the time. <laughs> 
Oh, oh, it's four minutes, please. You just it's all done in one go, isn't it? <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah. Um, oh god, I mean, God for an environment. This this all this felt like a throwback to watching wrestling this time last year, didn't you know? It was like with yeah. literally no crowds, nothing going on. It was almost like a return to the dark days of you know COVID wrestling and things like that. But um but I must admit, I did get lost in the match a little bit, and I, you know, I went three point two five on it. Um, I thought these two came across really well. I thought, you know, they didn't give her a mic, which is uh, disappointing. But um, Lizzie, obviously, there with no crowd and things like that, she was doing a. You, you were missing out on a crowd work that she'd normally be doing, but she was giving fucking loads of stick to the ref. So she had some uh, good, good verbals in there that you were. Uh, that's always good to see from her. But uh, these two just click they just they just work together so well the styles match up you know they're both lay it in they you know they yeah i often say this a lot of women's wrestling can look a bit like a dance rather than looking like a fight when these two take each other on it looks like a fucking fight you know they're you know they're proper in some like big suplexes some big strikes big knees and things like that and and again it was it was one of those where while it wasn't as good as the stuff that i've seen from them in in tnt um it was something that you know i thought showed up well there if someone was dipping into this and watching this i'd have thought you know you'd come away from this match uh enjoying it but for me just kind of just whetted my appetite just to see these two on the indies more again uh, this year and you know i i know they're going to be working tag matches coming up in, in in tnt i think there should be more singles matches to come from them in different promotions around the place as well but um but yeah it was a very uh it was a uh, one that if you are uh, if you are catching up for uh, BWE or something, Benno, make sure you give uh, make sure you give this one a watch. It was a uh, it was a progress wrestling match there that you uh, might might actually enjoy. And, you must uh, be again. <laughs> what did you 20, give it? What was your rate? I say I went three point two five on it, so I wasn't as high on it. I wasn't as I wasn't as high as I went on the. Um, on the TNT stuff, but uh, yeah, yeah. It, was still, it was it was still good. But these two are fucking good, uh, and I think this is what like it was almost for me. It was just another one on the back of last week with my positivity about Brady Phillips and Tom Thelwell and um, Will Cruz, and these two have been really good on, on shows. I think there is a few little little embers there within the uh, the northern scene, certainly that you know if you know if um, these are on, these are on a show. They're always going to put something on worth watching, be it character work or, or ring in ring wise. Mm. Fair enough. Did you not fancy sticking around for um, Buzz Ethan and Luke on that show as well? Was that the same mm, show? Don't think so. I think it was oh, the show before. I'll that probably one. end up watching that. So maybe when I'm catching up, I've got the network for another month. What did I get it? Oh, got it for that. I'll plug it at the end, but I did because the WCW last week, so I needed the network. So I am currently a subscriber. I had to watch Mayhem 1999. So um, yeah, uh, <laughs> I've got it. So maybe I will. You didn't just use my login. <laughs> you got a login? <laughs> Fuck's sake. I should have tried your password. <laughs> Why not learn to edit this, this week? I just <laughs> get with the fucking <laughs> Just try your email password, see if it works. JP, JP's never off there. <laughs> I, wouldn't go, oh, wow. I wouldn't go that far, mate. There, there comes points where we're watching the same show at different points. Oh. It's it's very weird. I can't think... I bet he's watching it right now. I'm assuming he is. This, I'm assuming the jumping around point just moves about when we're having yeah. like, review a review of show. It's, it's normally about 8.30 on a Monday night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, I... 
there's a... I used to jump through it's... so many hoops for the network. Like I used to like I had like a DNS thing so that I could like pretend I was American, so I get it in American dollars, so it was slightly cheaper. Like I mean, mainly it was because it it released in America before the UK. But like I had the network for so long, but I tend to I jump in every now and then and just pay the tenner. But they don't even deserve that out of me. I'll let me lesson now. Okay, cool. The garage drive. I just um, it's, it's it's one of them for me that it's just as much as I don't care about their modern day products, just the for me it's just that thing of just being like, all right, I just want to watch. Oh, I want to watch Flare Steamboat. Oh, I'm just going to watch it right now, kind of thing, and just being able to do it. it'll still it'll always hold me for that that reason. I'm, I'm so like convenience like first kind of thing. I don't want to be fucking about mm-hmm. with like trying to find it somewhere or downloading it from somewhere or getting a slightly mm-hmm. shoddy kind of um, you know like not perfect HD or some or whatever you know best quality sort of thing. So it'll uh, as much as I as much as I hate them, as much as I hate giving them my money, as much as I hate their modern day products, all them fucking tapes that they're sat on there of the old stuffs always going to be enough to keep me forking out that tenner a month. Unfortunately, oh, fortunately. Well, fortunately for me and JP, um, <laughs> but there you go. Um, but yeah, that's it. Anything else anyone wants to mention? Uh, very quick, I oh, was one match from MLW. MLW, there he goes. Yeah, Aramis versus um, Aramis, probably missed my spot. Oh, yeah, good things about that. Really fun, very creative, but not in a kind of high flyer, typically what you'd expect from a Luka way. A lot of it was people escaping pinning attempts in really creative way to create pinning attempts of their own. Not everything works, and it's very clear that this is their travelling match, as they kind mm. of like to stress, but it's worth keeping an eye on these guys. They're in the States. They're clearly very young. Obviously, they do the whole Conan discovered them wrestling on the street story as well. So, yeah, it, it was fun. And people do discover on these streets. Well, do you not remember it in the is it in the uh, doc, in the the wrestlers documentary when they're doing mm. uh, the traffic lights, weren't they? they just like pull out. Oh yeah, ladder. is that them? They were doing that type of stuff. I, oh, I thought you meant that was them. I was going to say, fucking hell. I, I could be wrong. So, listeners, tell us. Is it is it them? Are they the lads wrestling at the traffic lights? Because it wouldn't be that surprising if it was. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. It would fit their style. Um, I actually, you know, speaking of JP favourites, I mean, I did, I heard good things about that match. So, like, I think uh, that is one that I would, it, it, it seems more up my street style wise. I should watch. I actually buried the lead here, JP, very quickly. Watching New Japan Strong this week. Matty had to wait an hour for his taxi yesterday. So, we needed something to put on that was an hour long. So, we threw on New Japan Strong. I liked it more than he did. Um, <laughs> Gravel based wrestling is it is a type of thing, but that was fun to watch with a, a crowd back. Like that is this is a show right up your street, Gareth. Like you like New Japan. Okay, it's got terrible commentary, and it's been taking place in an empty warehouse for so long that it's felt inessential. I'd be, if I was you, I'd be tempted to give it another go because it's full of like the types of wrestlers that you know you'd enjoy. That I like that Chris Linnae enjoys. Like it's a it's a lot of like realism style wrestlers on there you know it's like a lot of like you know i know chris dickinson's in there but you know <laughs> the fact that you know tom lawler and like even jr kratos and, and fred yehi it's all presented very real sports isn't it jp it's mm. all very like you know you do have your your leo rushes and you know a bit of character work from from tom lawler in there as well um but it is like you know all of the matches are what three stars um you're not going to go yeah. higher on, on pretty much anything it's it's but it's all like you know good ground-based wrestling 
there's an emphasis like i say on realism and strikes and stuff it's clearly you know in a lot of ways it's american wrestlers you know auditioning and hoping for a role to, to get to go over to japan but the the thing about it now is like that's it's not just you know empty dojo wrestling that's taking place in front of a bit of a crowd that are that are into this stuff and into like the the grappling and into like some of these guys as stars it might well be worth it a, a second check out for anyone who's uh who's not been watching it like uh like i say not a, not a huge amount to write to them about the matches main event was leo rush and, and tom lawler yes leo rush um who continued to uh, to make his dates in new japan during his uh his short-lived retirement um but yeah tom lawler came across like a, a star as he always did in it I do feel like he needs to ditch the Daisy Dukes for New Japan. Like I get it in MLW, yeah. but I feel like here, like eh, I don't know if it really fits the New Japan aesthetic for him to be out there in a pair of cut-off jeans. Um, I don't know. He's got a sense of humor as Tom Lawler, but I don't know if this is the uh, the environment for it. Other than that, he's you know very believable, filthy Tom Lawler. You know, main event. You know, won the match via I think it was a joke uh, ref stoppage even uh, with with Leo Rush. That was really good. And you know, the challenger afterwards was Ren Narita, which isn't going to put a lot of butts in seats, but they did a good little um, stare down, nose to nose type thing with the two of them to to try and get you know Ren Narita over as a potential challenger and yeah you know it wasn't doing a lot of stuff with bells and whistles but as far as like a basic one hour wrestling show with nothing bad on it it was a it was a very easy watch I think you like outside of the wrestling side of things I think one of the things that just sold me there listening to you was the crowd spin back thing because that was mm. one of the things that I struggled so much with when I tried to watch New Japan Strong previously was the awful commentary coupled yeah, with the fact, that, still there, unfortunately. The, the, the fact that, that there was no crowd and it was almost like it was just t- those two things combined. It was just really hard to kind of, you know, get into and invest because there's a lot of lads working there who I, who I like. Obviously, I'm, I'm whacking it into the app every week. So I'm seeing, you know, I know obviously your, your Alex Coughlin's, your Clark Connors and yeah. people like that who I've enjoyed and others, you know, you know as, as well as in when they doing stuff with New Japan, obviously, like the Bloodsport stuff as well and things like that. They've, they're ones that have, have come through strong there. So, oh, maybe I'll take that recommendation and, and give it another go with the crowds. Every week, it's like me and JP preview it on the weekend show because JP makes sure it goes on first. <laughs> we put, but every week, don't we, JP? And I go, oh, sounds good, that. And then I never watch it every yeah. week. Like, every week, yeah. you read the card off, and I go, that actually sounds like a fun little one-hour TV show. Having actually forced myself to sit down and watch it. No, that is correct. It is a decent little one-hour TV show. Here you go, JP. Major proud. I'm, I'm absolutely shocked, mate. You've watched Noah Stardom and New Japan Strong. Like in the last few weeks, like I, I just think through through an attritional basis, you've just someone's ha- someone's hacked him, JP. Someone's, really hacked his, someone's hacked his brain, and you've watched yeah, the, the Hungarian fancy football hackers said I had to watch uh, Japanese. They weren't going to give me a password back. Weird, weird demand, but that's what they want. Man. They've used a wild card on your wrestling tastes. <laughs> and you know, taking out death matches and, and, and putting jokes, haven't they? In recent. What's happening to you? There you go. So, yeah, uh, I am now the, uh, the New Japan uh, strong correspondent. That's it. Can't give me any shit on Fridays anymore. They've got an interesting roster. And on, do you know what they've got on this week? Oh, go on, mate. Fred Rosser versus Minoru Suzuki, Jay White and versus Robbie Eagles, and Tom Lawler versus Red Maria. That's way better than the G1. <laughs> How much more yeah. interesting is that? <laughs> Sounds like a good place to jump back in, that to me. <laughs> Yeah. Fred, Fred Rock, mate, I'm fucking like he's been 
for me, he's one of like the highlights. And he'll end up going over to Japan. And I think he'll do all right for himself. Like, How, did they not do a USG1 block? Like, I oh, guess no. it would have took a bit of work. But, like, you know, even if it's, like, a C block or they do it, like, no, we're on this four blocks. You know, let's think outside the box. I've got A, B, and C in Japan and D's in, in America. It wouldn't take that much work to use this dojo for that. Like, that would be the talent just based on that one-hour show. The talent is there. It's like, ridiculous. oh, yeah, what a missed opportunity. Plus a Josh Alexander in the mix. You can get Garcia mm. and Wheeler Uter and Freddie Ahai. Mate, yeah, take that any day over the B block, but what are you gonna do? But, um, yeah, I suppose that it uh, brings us uh, to the end of the show. Um, any plugs, lads? I know I've got a, I've got a couple. Um, as I mentioned earlier, did uh, Rewind Away with uh, with John and Way. Um, I know we talked the Osprey documentary on this podcast when it first came out, but it was genuinely interesting looking back at it again uh, with 2021 eyes that uh booming Brit Red scene compared to today and you know the cast of characters that uh whose backs it was built upon was uh, every bit as alarming now as it is, as it was when we, when we talked about it but it was great talking to to John and Way about that you can check that over at uh, post wrestling cafe uh, patreon.com slash post wrestling and also I did the uh, because WCW podcast um this week where we talked uh, WCW mayhem 1999 um <laughs> a very very so show lads it did not leave me wanting desperately for us to go back and do any 1999 WCW. Matty was in my ear yesterday. He wants to do a 2000 WCW pay-per-view with us. Maybe I'll make an exception there. He is the uh, the Vince Russo, um, well, the only Vince Russo lover that I that I know. Um, there was a lot of Jeff Jarrett is probably the uh, the positive I could say for it as a, as a show may have 1999, yeah, although uh, the lads uh, on the, because WCW weren't uh, feeling that uh, particularly as, uh, as far as uh, Jeff Jarrett love goes. Uh, but yeah, I had a great time with, uh, with Liam and Dean so uh, yeah check that out uh, because WCW wherever podcasts are sold um, anything from you JP? I would say go to uh, patreon.com forward slash grapple I'll be there with daily updates if you want to hear more of my voice me slowly getting angrier than news that I wake up to in the morning yeah and, and like you said earlier on at the beginning we've got a couple of really good shows coming up we're looking forward hopefully we've got um like our kind of next deep cut going in on a WWF career and at time of recording, you know, you can still vote. Is it still Owen Hart? Who's up there? We can still vote for however long it takes us to finish the show. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I don't think it's going to change. It's Owen Hart probably. That'd be great. Yeah. It's Owen Hart. And then, and then after that next week, we're going to be recording with, uh, with Jamesy as me and Gareth get schooled on Brian Danielson and the ring of honor by, by two Ring of Honor historians here, mate. Like we got to get our fucking homework caps on here, Gareth, haven't we? I'll bring in an apple. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll be sad. You'll have a great time. I'll just wear the dunces hat now. Yeah. Okay, no, look, look, looking forward to that. Um, just put over your the other thing you did, Benno, the Peter, uh, the uh, um, versus the no the draft that he's did as well like i i hadn't listened to that up until after last week's show and fucking hell thoroughly enjoyed that what a what a great listen um to to that is um that he did that on post it was uh so much fun just sort of sitting driving to work listening to those picks (laughs) coming out and questioning why for certain people have been like picked ahead of others and things and just like you kind of see we dropped the ball on a couple thinking about these cards getting put together and how it was how it was working as well and 
uh, in the uh, in the little promo video. I said I was supporting you, Benno, but I had to go with James. Oh, it, was, it was right up uh, right up my street. So sorry there. I uh, felt like uh, stab, okay. stab, stab, stabbed you in the back there, but yeah, you know, James. Uh, I did the voters. Jamesy, uh, Jamesy, Jamesy put one hell of a car together. So uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say uh, if you haven't listened to that, anybody go on the uh, go on the yeah. post feed and uh, give that a listen because that was cracking stuff. Absolutely loved that. Oh, nice one. Yeah, that's over on the British Wrestling uh, Experience feed. And yeah, Jamesy, to be honest, break the floor of us. And I probably would vote for Jamesy also too. But uh, yeah, uh, wait <laughs> just about being as well. I'll thank you, mate. I'm happy to come. I came third. I'll take that. You know, or hell of a main event. Hell of a main event you had. There you go. I'll the take it. And, uh, yeah, my 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 downfall was the fact that as why did I sign Cody and MJF? What did I actually think I was going to do with them? It was yeah. never going to be an interesting match with those lads. It's one of them. Every time you do, every time we do it, it's like you come in with a plan by round four. Everyone you want's gone, and then you're scrambling, and it's just you, you play afterwards. You're like, oh, I should have done that there. Should have drafted them there. But yeah, it's. Uh, it, I think the worst thing we did, it was like we we all forgot about Miro. We all forgot about Andrade. There were a couple of names like that where it just, you know, we were drafting every wrestler in the world pretty much. So I suppose people are going to slip through. But yeah, everyone got cleaned up eventually. But yeah, it was a good time. Uh, was so a, yeah, check that out. Yeah, no, that was a that was a great listen. And um, yeah, just um, obviously final plug from me is just download the Grapple app. Obviously get yourself on App Store, get yourself on Google Play if you're listening to this and you haven't got the app. What are you doing? Come on, <laughs> get on there and uh, download it. If you want to pick the best of the G1, then you can easily like find out what's there. And obviously, we talked about on this show, we're getting into the territory of uh, year-end lists and everything like that. And there's no better way than putting your own list together than using that filter there on the homepage to find out what the uh, top matches by promotions are. And you've got a couple of months there where you could be doing your own little catch-up as well. So uh, get, uh, get yourself on uh, App Store or Google Play and download that app. 100%. There you go. You heard the man. But uh, yeah, other than that, like I patreon.com slash grapple for uh, all of the stuff we've mentioned. And we'll be back for another spotlight, uh, providing there's no uh, websites going down, weather, Manchester, Tories turning up. We'll be back next Monday night for more fun. See you then, everyone. Bye. See ya.